2: Being trying to joke here. Then all of a sudden the fireworks started. Like, well, wait a minute. What was that all about? And,
3: yeah. Intent gets questioned. Yeah,
2: exactly. But um, I think it'll be a vocal crowd. I think it'll be fun to see what uh, what the fans do tonight. There you have it. We're off and running here on Care Chris Mallman and Danny Mack on 101ESPN.
4: Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. We've got Peak and Pitt
1: on 101ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
4: It is time for Peak or Pit here on 101 ESPN with Michelle and Dan and Randy. We advise you to get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. We do want to hear from you. Uh, guys, I, I've got uh, a couple of peaks and a couple of pits. Let's hear them. All right. Uh, my peak came on Monday when the Cardinals put a dozen cousin up on the uh, up on the Natinals. Dozen cousin. That's a dozen cousin. That's right. <laughs> so that was a good thing. Yeah. And uh, my, my pit is that, uh, as it turns out, and we talked about this a little bit last week, the bulletin, the flash, apparently official, that uh, J-Lo and A-Rod had broken up, mm. and we get word... That J-Lo felt like she couldn't fully trust A-Rod. And A-Rod has always been such a fine, trustworthy, upstanding gentleman.
3: Yeah, so out a of character. Well, That's he was
2: banned for a year in baseball.
3: For what, Dan?
2: Never mind. P.E.D.s.
3: Oh, for cheating.
2: Yeah.
3: Oh, right. Okay.
2: I'm just saying, Randy, there was a track record there. But that wasn't cheating. in personal life. That was in his professional life. <laughs> it
3: might have been in his personal
2: life, too.
4: <laughs> Perhaps. But it's a pit that he can't be trusted.
3: That's your pit of the week, that yeah. A-Rod can't be trusted. Pretty good week. <laughs> it's a pretty good week. <laughs> I appreciate that, that you care so much about J-Lo's happiness, that A-Rod not being trustworthy oh. is your pet.
4: And the word is that she's been pretty miserable of late. Is that right? Yeah, so I didn't want that. I didn't want mm. uh, uh, people reporting that... Uh, she decided to split because she has been pretty miserable according to a source
3: yeah heartbreak stinks yeah and they were very intertwined not only emotionally but from a business standpoint They engaged th- this is not going to be an easy break have we mad- all had
2: heartbreak in our
4: lives yeah they they wore matching christmas jammies oh. i had heartbreak
2: when you wouldn't go io <laughs> <laughs> you you and me both we had our first date 39 years ago today.
3: Wow. Oh, that is
2: adorable. What'd you guys do? Happy
3: date anniversary. Went to a
2: baseball game?
4: No, we went to Rich and Charlie's, and that's what we do annually, is we get dinner from Rich and Charlie's. This, tonight, we'll, we'll just get takeout, because mm-hmm. uh, we finished dinner, and then the movie started late.
3: Oh, dinner and movie. Classic what movie? play. Uh,
4: Victor Victoria. This okay. is old school. All right. But between the time that we went to Rich and Charlie's, and this is talk about a first date it was fantastic uh we went and shopped for furniture on a first date first date yeah let's go shop i you didn't si- you were going to move in together i didn't suggest that but hold on hold on on yeah, a we first date you West went shopping kind of, yeah. for furniture yeah, i know hey it wasn't my thing but did we, you know yeah. you were going to get married after your first date
3: but after the yeah. first half of the first date wow yeah, like
4: yeah and then wow. we went
2: to someone uh, had a really nice first date
4: <laughs> went, went, went to ted drew's and it was super 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 crowded yeah. Super crowded. Well, it was April 23rd, so as you guess, and it might have been after a Cardinal game because it was after the movie. Uh and uh we didn't want to stand in line that long. Did you go across the street to
2: Baskin Robbins? You bet you, bro. I'm right. <laughs> yeah Did you really? Yeah, we did. 30 more flavors. And we
4: were talking about that the other day. Is that Baskin Robbins is still there, isn't it?
2: I think so. I grew up right right you know, yeah. within walking distance of my childhood home, which my mom still lives in in South St. Louis, and uh that was the play, man. Yeah, you'd go up there, and if it was really packed, you'd you'd uh, you say, "Yeah, uh, really, I just want some ice cream." So you go, just go to Baskin Robbins. It was good.
4: Yeah, six five seven eight zero. Oh, if that Baskin Robbins think is, is still there, I think
2: so. I think so too. You know yeah. how
3: I know, oh. Dan, that Randy was very into his now wife at the time? It's not that he went furniture shopping with her in between activities on the first movie? date. No, it's that he missed the Cardinals game. That's
2: what I'm saying. Yeah, he went to a, he a movie. He went to a movie. You he missed, missed the
3: sporting Cardinals event. game for her.
4: And by the way, they were in the in the midst of a 12-game winning streak. See?
3: Wow. So you were Did you bring her? a
4: transistor radio on your date? No, but I made sure that I had my car radio going. <laughs> <laughs> I was paying attention.
3: This is a, Guys,
4: this is a world championship season. This was 1982.
2: When you guys went furniture shopping, did you go looking for what type of furniture? Living room furniture. Oh, okay. Just, wasn't it wasn't like just, bedroom furniture or anything around. like that. Uh, what was the...
4: Uh, was it pennies? It was at,
2: at West County because it was right across the street from the... the right, we need to break this thing down just yeah, for a that second. That was her idea because we had like an hour and a half or something between dinner and the Understood, movie. but you weren't living together at that point, correct? No, it, it was, it was first a first date. date. Well, a lot of first dates don't go furniture shopping. Well, we didn't buy anything.
3: How long did you guys date before you proposed with yeah. the microwave?
4: Oh, it was probably later that summer. So wow. you
3: so this moved quickly.
4: Yeah. But then we weren't getting married until she got up. she was done with law school. So it took a while.
3: You know what? When you know, you know. Yeah. When you know, you when know. When you
4: know, you know. You know. So, so now, now it's know. been wedded bliss. 39 years of dating and 30 it'll be 35. Of marriage in uh, November. Years, I mean. I'm surprised you didn't take uh, the day off. Today? Yeah. Well, I've got a Rally House uh, appointment. Anybody who stops by Rally House wearing a jersey uh, this afternoon, noon to two in Chesterfield, will get a free $10 gift card. That's and my then, peak. Is it? Yeah. I love I that. got it written right here. He I just does. showed cool. Michelle. Confirmed.
2: Uh, and then uh, tonight we'll, we'll get dinner and we'll find a movie to watch. Oh, that is so... Adorable. Yeah. I, I just am um, overcome. So, and we, the way we've
4: got our basement set up is that what we used to have is a playroom for the kids to use we or whatever. Oh, game, I did not. I'm up. glad
3: you said we. I didn't uh, know. They, they
4: had I a Wii in the, Well, with a we. I thought it was going to go
3: with a D too.
4: Yeah. Uh, and then, so, but they've got all that. <laughs> I the was eight. like, wow, <laughs> we're
3: talking about this. All right.
4: So, <laughs> but last year, a couple of years uh, ago, I got an Amazon. TV, I don't know what the Amazon thing, but $347 for a 55-inch Amazon TV. Wow. It's, it's the best TV picture in our house, and it's down in the playroom, the TV that I would use the least. But in the room next to that, with where we've got an archway, is kind of my theater room. So I can sit and watch a movie in the playroom and then keep my eye on the Cardinal game as well. It works out
2: pretty well. Very nice. I, uh, my peak was Rally House. Love it. Thank you. And uh, Wayno Start. Yeah, he was really good. Yes, he was. And my pit are second periods for the blues. Yeah, that's a good pit. Okay.
3: I think my peak is that, speaking of Adam Wainwright, we have him on weekly, and it's now sponsored by Chick-fil-A, and they brought us in a whole bunch Mm. of Chick-fil-A food. I had never had breakfast from Chick-fil-A. The best. Those biscuits are unreal. Mm-hmm. So that might have been my peak because not only did we have a great and very thoughtful conversation with Adam Wainwright, we got Chick Fil A afterwards. Yeah. It was awesome. And
4: thanks to our friends at Chick Fil A partnering with Adam and us, we're really excited about it.
3: <laughs> and donating don't to Big League Impact, which is awesome. It's a it's a win in every angle you look at it. And
4: it's a great place for a Friday lunch.
3: Yes, it is. So go go there. Go and there and or, go to or rally or breakfast right yeah, now, or whatever you're doing. Uh, my pit is that it snowed this week. <laughs> It snowed <laughs> this week. Yeah. End of April, and it's snowing in St. Louis. Stupid. Very stupid. Yeah.
4: All right, your text, 65780. Emily, what do you got?
0: Real quick, before I read these, somebody texted in that Baskin-Robbins is no longer there. Oh, Ooh, sad. Sad.
4: Yeah, but hashtag sad, but thanks <laughs> for the tip.
0: So from the 573 peak My son was awarded an extra $3,000 in music scholarships. All right. Awesome. And Pitt, they had another virtual concert, which we watched, but didn't get to attend.
2: Oh, no. Yeah, you got the three grand. You're going to be happy.
0: At least you get to watch it, too.
2: Yeah. By the way, two Mizzou fun facts.
4: I did a uh, an event with Eli Drinkwitz the other day. Scott but Linehan. Scott Linehan is what, now a consultant, former Rams head coach here in St. Louis, is a consultant on the Mizzou staff. His son is a graduate assistant there, Matt. And also, this is this is bizarre. So every NCAA football athlete got another year of eligibility, if they so wanted at the same year that they played at last year. Connor Baselock was a, a redshirt freshman. So he was in his third year at Mizzou, or is heading into his third year at Mizzou. He's still a freshman. Connor Bazeluk, after his freshman year of college, could, if he's good enough and wants to, apply
2: for the NFL draft as a freshman. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? (laughs) It's going to be weird. I I think you just hit something on the head. I think it's going to be weird, number one, when we get into college basketball, seeing Mm -hmm. if you really are a follower of basketball, I love college basketball. We were talking about that off the air, but all these different players, over a thousand have entered the transfer portal and yeah. you're going to see these very good players that you know their name and they're all of a sudden playing for somebody else. It's literally free agency. Yeah. It is. And the same thing with football. You know, yep. these guys getting a chance to play another year. If Basil- well, like if- Slew is getting Javante Perkins back yeah. for another year, Yeah, which is great for him yeah. and he gets to help his draft stock or professional stock wherever he goes plays, but Slew benefits no yeah. doubt. Basil, I could miss
4: Never missed time with an injury. at his ACL but didn't miss time and could still play six years or go to Mizzou for six years and play four. Wow. Or play five. He could play five yeah, years. play
0: five. Wow. From the 260 peak, get to help my son move out of his condo at college and spend dad's weekend with him. Love it. Ooh, dad's weekend is always a good time. Yeah. And Pitt have to start paying his senior year tuition. Mm.
4: Eh, yeah.
3: You know, Mom's weekend was always in the springtime. It was a beautiful brunch. Everyone wore cardigans. On the Richter scale, it was very neutral. A lot of florals happening. Mm-hmm. Dad's weekend was in the fall. It was during a football game. There was a, it, it got ratcheted up. Dad's are buying shots for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, Dad's weekend was a time for everybody to let loose.
4: Bradley was just family
2: weekend. They never did Mom's and Dad's weekend. Just really? family weekend. Yeah.
3: You should break it up. K.J.
2: Walton started at Mizzou Ball State, now Akron playing in his seventh year of college basketball. Is that right? That's impressive. That's pretty good. Wow. Okay, sorry. I I sidetracked on the uh, Air Comfort Service text line.
0: I was just going to say when my mom would come in for Mom's Weekend, Mm -hmm. she would be like, I love brunch. I love doing the crafts and whatnot, but I want to go to a football game. Mm
2: -hmm. I get that. I guess they're going to be packed this year. SEC yeah. will have full houses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Doesn't SEC, it doesn't matter. You will, yeah. I, I would think the Big Ten, maybe differently, how they handled the COVID situation with no one in the stands. It's going to be September. I mean, uh, at that point, you know, it's up to the American public as to yeah. whether or not you want to get a shot. Yeah. And it's going to be tough to tell businesses you're closed for business.
3: And so many people are itching to get back sure to the tailgating situation, college football game. And by and, the
2: way, you
4: can get... Anybody, 16 and older, can get a shot today, a vaccine today. You can get the Pfizer vaccine at the Dome, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. You can get it tomorrow and Sunday as well. No appointment or insurance required. to show up and get your shot. It's free parking also at the Dome at 6th and Cole. So you might as well, if you have interest, if you want
2: to get vaccinated... You don't need an appointment. You don't need insurance. Just go get it done. I was talking with a friend of mine yesterday that went and got his shot down at uh, the Dome. And he said, man, I give the city and our government. He was so happy that he got his shot. He'd been waiting forever. He said, I was just so happy to get it. And I uh, got my second shot. And he said, both times, seamless. Yeah. He said, I, I showed up, entered, got the shot, waited 15 minutes to make sure he didn't have reaction out the door. That's great. Seamless.
3: And free parking downtown, and which is free huge. parking, yeah, yeah, right.
2: Yeah, go get your shot, go to
4: the game,
3: <laughs> just leave your car down there for a while, <laughs> yeah. But that is big because a lot of people wonder where to park down there, or they sure. wonder yeah. if they have to pay or what the situation is. So, I think having that piece of, of the operation already thought out just makes it that much easier for people to go and get their shots.
4: And the real play, Michelle, is to use your MAC membership, go down. Get your shot at the Dome. Park mm-hmm. at your MAC spot. Yeah, Take the shuttle over to the ballpark. There, there you go. go. Then come back. Maybe hit, go, head to the Jack Buck Grill after the game and then go home.
3: Have a great meal. Maybe yeah. a
0: nightcap post-game yeah. cocktail. The best. Yeah.
4: There you go. Thanks, Emily.
0: Thank you. And real quick, somebody just said that they went to the Dome yesterday and they were in and out. Right.
4: So thank you very much for... Uh, listening to us and giving us an update on that as well. Next up, we're going to talk some golf, and I'm going to ask Jay Delsing, what the hell is wrong with my game next on 101 ESPN?
1: <laughs> we're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
4: Emily, I just go with KK all the time. I don't even They're try. Do yeah, I, yeah, I don't even try Kwang Young Kim, but I, said, I, I, I can
0: say Kwang Young Kim. I just uh, I can. <laughs> I, I normally I, have it. I normally have it typed out in front of me, and I've been doing like 15 other things, getting our I know. eight it's, o'clock guests ready, and
2: yeah, it happens. Just brain yeah. fart. Trust me. It happens. Uh, I had a guy yell at me the other day. He said, you're a broadcaster and you can't say Quang Hung Kim. I said, I just said Quang Hung Kim. <laughs> I just go expect. by KK. That's, that's what everybody else that's says. What, that's just like what you he want. say Yachty, yeah. you say Wayno. Yeah. Right.
5: <laughs> Let's okay, head to the on,
4: man. Uh, Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and our friend Jay Delsing will be with you on Sunday morning at 9 here on 101 ESPN Golf with Jay Delsing. Good morning, sir. How you
6: doing? Good morning. Wait a second. The first date furniture shopping? I still, yes. I, I ah, man, that's what's wrong with your golf game. I, oh.
4: I was gonna wow, good call, Jay. Yes, it, it, it's Jay. one of the things. But Jay, here's the thing. I, I didn't really start playing until I was twenty-five. I took lessons like when I was in sixth grade, but didn't really start playing golf until I was twenty-five. So it's not like I started playing when I was six and I walk out after winter and I've got a swing. I, I have to start over basically again every year. And the play for me, and I have to do this, I have to get over to uh our friends at the Family Golf and Learning Center, and uh, and talk to them about my swing, or I just have to get together with you so you can tell me
6: what the hell's going on. Yeah, no, we got to do it. Adam Betts is doing a great job down at Family uh, Golf. Man, he has completely revitalized that place. He's spent a lot of money, and it's it's beautiful. They've got three Trackmans in there. It, it's it's the place to go if you want to go practice and get better at your game in St. Louis for sure. And yeah, Randy, let's do that. Let's uh, let's pick out a time and. You know, we'll wait until it stops snowing in this <laughs> city that we live in, and we'll go try to play golf, man. Good
4: good idea. Let's do it.
3: So, Jay, we're going to talk about this later in the show, but I think what the PGA Tour has done with this player impact program is fascinating. So for those who don't know, the PGA Tour has created a $40 million bonus pool for players who boost publicity and engagement. What was your thought when you first saw this? Because when I saw it, I think it's great for golf. <sighs>
6: Well, God, Michelle, I had, I had a lot of ideas. Obviously, I would have been one of those guys that would have been moving the needle, so to speak. Um, you know, we were just trying to figure out when I was playing how to play for more money. But, I mean, obviously, with the Tiger Woods effect over 20 years, you know, in the books, there's a hell of a lot of money to be passed out of the PGA Tour. And you know what? When the Premier Golf League tried to get up and running, over in Europe, what one of the things they did was was something similar to this, Michelle, and and it was probably one of the few things in the in the uh, back rooms when the players were talking to the PGA Tour that they thought was something that was attracted to these top players. They're making so much money, Michelle. I just can't imagine that that's going to help them it's not going to make them play better maybe it's going to make them more popular but it's going to probably grow the pga tour brand so probably for the pga tour it's a good idea for me i'm so removed from that i'm not really a social media guy in general and i was just kind of like man i it's probably a good thing michelle but i'm old and i'm just crabby about stuff like that (laughs) i I don't really get it that much
4: well here the the thing is, forty million dollars is going to be split among the top eight players, measured by among other things, how often their names are googled. So the active Tiger Woods can not swing a club for an entire season
6: and still partake of this pool. And Randy, he's gonna, who's gonna who's gonna get more Google hits than than he? I mean, he he is he is the guy that moves the you needle know, far more than anyone else, no matter what he's doing. Yeah. Even I mean, if he's in a car accident, he's in a car accident. He, you know, if, if he would post something about his progress and I talked to his agent last week and asked how he was doing. If he, and, and he, it's slow, but he's, he's making some steady progress, but could you imagine how many hits he'd have if he posted something about some rehab he's doing on, I don't pick something is his ankle or his knee or something. I mean, it'd be over a million hits and, It's kind of the way our world works anymore. I mean, you know, the 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 way people gain their information is really off of social media and not through news outlets and you know, in the 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 old school kind of way to do it. So um, it's probably a a good thing. I'm just a little removed from it, and 40 million seems like such a lot, lot of money to me.
3: Jay, the the first person that I thought of when I read about this incentive program was a guy like Max Homa, who judges golf fan swings on social media, and he's constantly interacting with golf fans. And while a lot of golfers or golf fans know who he is, he's not to the level, level of a Tiger Woods. But I think by just by being himself and engaging with the golf fans on various platforms, he does a lot to grow the game and he doesn't get any sort of monetary rewards for that. So that would be someone, at least for me, that I look at and think that a program like this can benefit him.
6: Michelle, you're 100% right. And Max Holmes is hysterical. Have you have you heard any of the, the way he breaks down people's swings? He's really creative. But he's also only got like 150,000 followers. You know, so he can do what he does and get X amount of hits. But I don't think it's going to register when it comes to Rory or Tiger or Phil. I mean, if you look at what Phil does with some of his fireside chats and things like that, he's sitting. He 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 just he did something with him dancing in his underwear not long ago. You know, with for some clothes company because he he didn't realize his Zoom call was still. You know, he thought he left the meeting and he was still uh, on the meeting, and so it'll be interesting to see how it breaks down. You guys, when I, I did read all this, and I don't even understand these these. Um, these terms they're using to measure them, like the Q value and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. I was
7: like, I don't know. I don't know what any of this stuff is.
2: Hey, Jay, how cool is it to see Stuart Sink win? He's 47. He's been on tour for probably two decades, and his son was on the bag. I I thought that was pretty cool last weekend.
6: Danny, really cool. Um, It it, it was fantastic. We had him on the show about a month ago, and um, he just really talked frankly about the mental approach that he has and how he – goes about doing it, and now um, as his sons get older, he's had he's had a couple wins with a couple of different sons on the bag, and he played with his older son, Connor, and won the, the PNC father-son thing. This guy is, it's almost too good to be true. He's so down-to-earth. He tells you, you know, pretty much like it is. What about his short putting stroke routine? Did you, did you guys happen to watch how he, yes. he's almost kind of like sneaking up on this putt, like trying to sneak up on on this thing, get his stroke started, and almost kind of be moving while he hit this thing because he he, he really – it's almost like his putter was stuck on his putts inside of three feet, and he made all of them. But, man, that made me nervous just watching it. I don't know about you.
2: You know, what's interesting is that uh, when you watch baseball, and I I watch it every night, I know you're a huge fan, and you see all these different pitchers come in. Some guys over the top. Some guys may throw it from the side. Some guy may be three-quarters. But yet here they are. They're the best in the world at what they do. And it made me think of putting. I don't know if there's a right way to putt. Guys are cross-handed. Guys do things with the long stick up to the chest. I mean, they, they do all kinds of different things to putt. Is there... So my point and my question would be, is there the proper way to putt, or is it just what you feel comfortable doing?
6: So that that is, Danny, that is so true, especially in the ninth inning in Washington the other day when I think Hand is his name, their, mm-hmm. their, their closer, he was all over the place. He was all over the place. It looked like we might, you know, have a, have a shot here, I think, when um, – when Kisner was, was up, he had walked Williamson. Uh, yeah, Williams he the double play. He, he yeah, got, was, got it. All, yeah, and it was like, I was Not like, three, don't swing, pitch. man. Yeah, yeah don't three, swing. He can't throw it over the plate. Danny, when when I first got on the PGA Tours back 100 years ago, 1985, I'll never forget this. I was sitting in the locker room in the Hawaiian Open, and I was listening. I mean, it was just so cool for me to just be kind of on the inner circle. You know, so I was listening to what all these old guys were talking about, and, you know, they were old. They were like 30 back at the time, you know, and I was listening to the stories, and the, and I heard one of the, uh, a really popular guy on tour, goes, did you see this fellow from Japan, he came over, did you see the way he's trying to putt, and he laughed, and they just kind of joked, and they were talking about a guy named Asao Aoki, and most people probably haven't heard of Asao Aoki, but he had a hell of a career, he won probably a dozen times, but he, he putted with the toe of his putter way up in the air, his hands were really low, and he just kind of popped at the ball okay and people uh, the older guys when i got on tour were like there's no way this is ever going to work well about six weeks later after watching the way the guy started his pga tour career everybody wanted a lesson (laughs) from him danny because he was hooping putts all over the place and people if if you can help a professional golfer make more putts if it's a hockey stick if it's a the broom handle if it's the um any sort of method, Danny, they'll they'll jump on. And you saw you see guys with a saw, you see it with a claw, you see some guys left hand low. They'll try anything if they think they're gonna make more pups.
4: Jay, who do you have on the show on Sunday?
6: You know what, Randy, no guests this week. Pearly and I just talk about trying to help your game. We tell stories about um, uh different drills that we've used Good. over over the over the course just trying to really help people figure out how to play better golf.
4: I'll I'll be listening and I will uh, listen to the podcast multiple times because I need the help.
6: And let's get let's get hooked up. Let's go to family golf. We'll uh we'll say hi to Adam and we'll get you uh, uh hidden balls.
4: Sounds good. Thank you Jay. Have a great weekend. Thanks, guys. See you later. That's our friend Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN.
2: You're going to listen intently. I am. I'm yeah. disappointed so in what myself. What
4: happened? I don't know. Just you fell should, apart. So you can't hit the ball at all. No. And I I went down the stretch last year playing Pretty, pretty okay. Pff, terrible now. Mm. It happens. Well, I, I'm feeling. Actually, I went and hit a bucket of balls yesterday, and I, I feel a little bit better. But I still have work to do. So I'm going to keep grinding, ra- right. uh, Ranger Randy. Just grind, baby. That's what I got to do. Coming up, a quick take it or leave it on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
4: Michelle, Dan, and Randy on 101 ESPN. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service. Text line 65780. Uh, Michelle, Dan, last night, Oracle Park, San Francisco. Marlin's in town. And and uh, the Marlin's here? Yeah. Uh, John Miller was here? John Miller. Okay, (laughs) sorry. John Miller could give us this. A therapy bunny named Alex was in the stands and stole the hearts of fans. I did see that.
3: Therapy bunny.
4: A therapy bunny for the first time had a dark bow tie, orange crabs to represent the Giants. Mm
3: -hmm.
4: It was a four and a half month old bunny uh, named Alex. And it's a huge bunny that they were just passing around and letting people hold. Take it or leave it. Bush Stadium tonight against the Reds needs a therapy squirrel.
2: Oh, I don't think you need to take that yet. I'll leave that. Okay. Yeah, not yet. Let's give it a month. And by the way, this
4: was for a, a young person that, that had the therapy bunny. It wasn't there for the Giants or the fans. It was somebody, actually, uh, uh, not that young, a 32-year-old uh, woman who lost her brewery in San Francisco due to COVID and uh, is stressed out, so she brought her therapy
2: bunny to the game. I like wow. it. That's Me cool. Too. Yeah. Could so, you bring a therapy bunny to Bush Stadium? I would think so, yeah. Can you San bring your, your little dog if it yeah. was for
3: medical reasons. Yeah,
2: that's I'm what I'm sure. thinking. Yeah.
3: Um, so, I get where you're going, that the squirrel ha- also has some magic there, mm-hmm. rally squirrel. Yep. However, from a therapy rally standpoint. Cat. Yeah, that's right, the rally cat. Mm-hmm. Wow. A bunny is really soft, and you can just hold it in your arms, and it's not really going to try to go anywhere. The squirrel is a little squirrely, and it might cause you some injuries. Um, I don't think might. you're going to be able to hold on to it How for about, therapy reasons.
4: Of uh, sedative? Would a sedative help to make it more of a therapy squirrel?
3: For some reason it the, just doesn't seem
4: sanitary to me. I, I see, as I drive around the greater St. Louis area, a lot of very calm squirrels. Hell, they're sleeping on the road. So th- they're th- they're they're very calm if you can find the right one. It's roadkill, Randy.
3: Randy, they're they're deceased. Well. I hate to break it to you.
2: Cincinnati is in town tonight. <laughs> that's going to be my pit next <laughs> week.
3: Disgusting. It's gonna be your pit next week yeah, but, that the sleeping squirrels are in fact that, deceased. Yeah. I hate you to people, break this to you.
2: you. You people only want to talk about death.
3: That's all that's all we do, Randy. I don't know. You
2: are fixated on death.
3: Do you watch a lot of Dateline?
2: Yeah, that would be perfect uh-huh. for you. Was she alright?
3: And then
2: what? <laughs> Cincinnati. The
3: spark of love could also be the spark of murder. <laughs> Uh, anyway, all right. I have one for you guys. We have, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we need to get that drop on, on that mission. <laughs> and then what? <laughs> so Dodgers-Padres again. Take it or leave it. The Dodgers and Padres rivalry is the best rivalry in sports right now. In all of sports. Yes,
4: Ooh. take it. As we speak, it is.
3: They're both very good teams, a lot of star power. Front
2: office is both going for it.
3: Geography, there's tension.
2: What about the Canadian hockey teams right now all playing each other? We're not in Canada, but I would assume those rivalries sorry, are pretty good. Sorry, but no. Sorry? I just, I just wanted to say sorry. Okay. <laughs> uh, I wonder if that would be it. Uh, I'm taking it. All right, yeah, I'll take it. It's fun. It's been good for baseball. Yes. It's been great. I was watching the game last night. It was terrific. Yeah. They're fun. Terrific. Um, Am I supposed to have a take it or leave it? If you you have one, great. No, I'll I'll pass. I'll
0: pass.
4: pass. Defer Defer. Defer to
2: the listenership. Yeah. They're smarter than I am. Emily, what do you got?
0: (laughs) From the 314 take it or leave it, we should not boo Castellanos because he needs to be a Cardinal once he's a free agent.
2: Uh, He's still got, what, a couple years left? I think he had an opt out. Yeah. And he ain't going to opt out. He's making a lot of money.
3: Also, you think the booze are going to sway his decision when it comes to it? He said that Yachty could punch him in the face and he'd still ask for an autograph.
2: That's a good point. Uh, it, it's all about the Benjamin, Joe. <laughs> and so you, you throw enough money at somebody, they get over things real quickly. I'm just saying.
3: Yeah, just let old Benjamin talk to him.
2: Absolutely. Why would he want to leave the Reds for the last place Cardinals anyway? Randy, we're not even ten percent through the season, are we? At ten percent, just a little over ten percent. Okay, we're at ten percent. Let's let it play out. Even when you were on your first date with Joan, you knew to, to let uh, the season play out a little bit. They were in right.
4: first place. They were in the midst of a twelve-game winning streak. Do I
2: understand we to get that.
3: Randy, a therapy bunny? I That's
2: think so. Maybe actually, we need to get Joan one. Not a bad
4: I had lemon pound cake for breakfast. She made a lemon pound cake. It was delicious for your
3: first date anniversary. Yeah. Thank what... goodness that you locked her down. What a what a great significant other she has to you. are you
2: gonna get anything for her, for her uh, first she date anniversary getting
4: the new Stephen Baldacci book. Oh, yeah. You got her
3: a gift. Randy, this is great. Thanks. This is why you're Uncle Randy. You know how to do these things. The fact that all these years later, you still remember and acknowledge your first date anniversary is pretty impressive.
0: Thank Mm -hmm.
4: you. Oh, there goes my commercial thing. (laughs) That's all right. We'll pick it up later.
0: From the 314, take it or leave it, golf is the hardest sport in the world.
4: I'll take that. (laughs) That's that's not a hard one for me to answer. I I would
2: take that.
3: Golf is so hard. It's so demoralizing.
2: I love golf. Mm-hmm. I do too. Can't beat I, it. I, yeah, can't I'd say it. it's the hardest because yeah. you don't know what you're going to do every hole, every swing, every day.
3: And you right. only can rely on yourself. You have That's no it. teammates to pick you up. You yep. can't hide any deficiencies.
2: No, the if you're single, a bad
3: day, it's there.
4: single most difficult thing is to hit a baseball, pitch pitched baseball. But in terms of the game itself, the, the toughest thing is golf.
2: Yeah. Hey, Randy's going to be at the Rally House today. And a texter brought up uh, in Chesterfield from noon to 2? Noon to 2, yes. Noon to 2. And you wear a jersey, you get a $10 gift certificate. Take it or leave it, you're going to give Joan a $10 gift certificate (laughs) to Rally House. She doesn't own a jersey. Well, you could, you know, cheat a little bit, get one. I'm
4: not a cheater, Dan. I
2: I think you should do that. Maybe you should buy her a jersey. Maybe I could walk in with a jersey on. There you go.
3: And give yourself a gift card.
2: Yeah, I think that's you fair. It. You stay within the limits of uh, no, what the proposal is. It's it's
4: it's for the peeps. It's not for her. She doesn't. Uh, she's got enough of her. She her team is St. Louis U basketball. She's got enough to St. Louis U stuff. She really does.
2: Three one four MMA is the toughest single sport. Yeah, well, it's pretty tough. What about the Iditarod? That would be kind of cold for the dogs. Be tough. Dogs die. Where well, they yeah, put the deal. little things on their feet.
3: What about yeah. horse racing, then?
2: That's another one.
3: Very difficult. Because yeah. guess what? If you lose, it could be the end.
2: Hmm. We've seen it.
3: We've seen no it. No doubt. Thanks, now Emily. you're on the death team. There's a lot on the, uh, at stake there.
4: There hey, is. Okay. Uh, our uh, kindred spirits in England, Arsenal fans, are planning a protest ahead of their Everton match tonight. And it's hashtag Cronky out. We got Cronky out. We really weren't thrilled about it. <laughs> But we're going to talk to Toby Parker or Parks uh, from the Arsenal fan group on about what's going to happen tonight. Next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
4: Michelle Smallman, Dan McLaughlin, Randy Carricker, great to have you with us on 101 ESPN in St. Louis, where it's 8.02, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We've talked a lot this week about the failed Super League uh, that uh, the, the uh, that's happening over in Europe with all of the different soccer teams, a dozen of them that wanted to form a Super League. And one of those teams, one of those franchises, Arsenal, owned by former St. Louis Rams owner and now Los Angeles Rams owner, Stan Kroenke. And we get an opportunity to talk to Toby Parks. Toby is the host of the Arsenal editor podcast. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Arsenal underscore editor. And he's with us on the Brown and celebrity line. Toby, thank you so much for taking some time with us here in St. Louis.
8: Hi guys. Hi, Randy, Michelle dance. Lovely to be here. It's an absolute pleasure. Even though it is slightly stressful at times in the sporting world, it's uh It's great to be talking to you.
4: Well, we want to start with this because we have a great deal of disdain and dislike for Stan Kroenke here in St. Louis. How much do Arsenal fans dislike Stan Kroenke?
8: Oh, I mean, it's good to hear we've got some familiar uh, themes across the pond because, quite frankly, he's not very well liked. If I was able to swear at 8 in the morning in the U.S. time, I would. (laughs) It's the afternoon in the U.K., so uh, I would be allowed over here, but I'll, I'll appreciate that it's probably not allowed. Um, It's a really difficult one. I mean, he's not liked at all. I mean, the whole franchise-proposed model of the Super League was sort of one of the things that's really sort of the the straw that broke the the camel's back, so to speak. Um, You know, since his takeover, uh, it really sort of underlined one of the issues that is kind of going wrong with Premier League football at the moment generally, and that's without the Super League even coming into fruition. So, you know, it used to be that the ownership was very... Uh, fan base, so like if you a really a successful fan for whatever reason, and hey, maybe that'll be me one day. You you got to buy the club or co-own it, um, and then it sort of happened that Manchester City and Chelsea and all that sort of thing started to to happen, where big owners would come in from abroad and take control of the club, and but not really have you know the, their heart in it. So you know, and and that's what we've kind of seen. So and you know, I'm very aware that he took. Uh, the Rams away from you guys, you know, so, and uh, that that's kind of in the back of my mind. And the franchise model has always scared us.
3: So, Toby, ahead of the match uh, today in your time out there, there's going to be protests called Cronky Out. Cronky is obviously, as you said, disliked there. If you could swear you would, we feel that same sentiment, trust me. What can we mm-hmm. expect when we tune in to see these protests? How many people will be there, and what's the motivating factor there?
8: Yeah, look, people people are hurt. You know, people over here um, really value the competition. They love the club. They don't just, like, financially invest in the club in terms of the expensive tickets and all the merchandise that you buy and everything. Ah, It's a real emotional investment. You spend time talking about it. You spend time battling with your friends and the opponents, you know, when you speak to them in in the street and things. um, and, And when something like this happens, it really sparks, like, and you've seen it across a few clubs, particularly in London, it sparks, like, genuine, you know, are outraged really, and I expect a huge crowd. um I expect uh smoke flares, and I expect potentially the fans not letting the bus into the stadium. And then that happened at Chelsea. um You know, I, I I would be kind of wary that you know COVID's still flying around, and the, my worry is that you know it's a very balanced time, and I hope that the crowds don't get too heated in in, in the sense that you know they get too close to each other. Um, and look, if we can all keep two meters apart, and we can stay, you know, spread out, and make our voice heard in a really respectful way that is really safe, it, that will be more powerful than than any message. And Josh, I know Josh Cronkey, the son of Stan, is, is um, you know, he's the voice of the Cronkeys over here. I don't know if it's the same over in the USA, but so um, I know that he's had a lot of conversations with the fan forums, and it did not go down well. He was hammered in the in the Zoom call with the the um, fan forums and he was told explicitly uh, that we as the fan base want him to leave um, and at least you know sell the, the club back to some kind of owner that is a bit more invested in the club emotionally and Josh is really good at saying the right things, like really good, um, but we all know that kind of comes to nothing in the end and uh, so I think everyone's just had enough and this is really the time to say it.
2: Yeah, you just let me into my next question. Was who's the mouthpiece from the ownership group? Do you guys see Stan at all? Is Stan ever around there? You just said Josh is around there. Um, so, d- does Stan ever show up at these games? Is he ever over there? Is he in the papers? Is he on TV, radio, anything, trying to connect with the fan base?
8: I as a, personally, I've never. I can't even tell you what his voice sounds like. Like I've never heard him talk about the club. I've seen him. Um, He's gone to a couple of the finals. Um, I've seen him in his red striped suit, uh, sorry, pinstripe suit. Um, you know, I, there's a rumor going around that the journalist was sitting behind stand in his first uh, game that he attended. I believe it was one of the first games after he bought the club. And he and he said, "Which club's mine?" Um, you know, and and that's that's kind of very typical of of, of you know his. His kind of stance on what he does with the club, but look, and look, I do want to say, I mean, to be fair to Josh Krenke, um, as, as a person, not as like a KFC entity, he does say the right thing, and he comes over, and he's quite charismatic. Um But he's done it a couple of times, and you know, they have put a couple of investments once or twice into signings, but the majority of those times they've been in conjunction with some really dodgy agents. They've been mutual personal sort of benefactors and very different areas that aren't the club necessarily, we have end up overpaying and that sort of thing. And a lot of the money's ended, ended up coming out of, uh, you know, the Arsenal part itself anyway. And, um, you know, it, it just plays into this whole rhetoric, and Josh was at the lead of this. Um, when we had to, like, uh, we ended up having mass redundancy, so, like, you know, 50 people lost their jobs, um, the players took wage cuts, all this sort of thing, when we've got a billionaire plummeting however much, you know, money into a stadium, I believe, in the USA. And so it's and, and it's like, you know, we're getting people redundant and then he's entering us into to Super Leagues where we're going to get, you know, 3.5 billion or whatever it is as a, in, the, in the club group. Um, and it just doesn't play well. And I think for a club that people love and really respect and are very proud of, it's it's really damaging to, to, to what you are proud of as a club.
4: Toby, it seems like, to me, that this is... Uh, what it comes down to is his emotional disengagement that if it was another owner that you people you you fans felt like was in the boat and was as emotionally engaged with you even though this iconic franchise has fallen on some hard times if at least you thought the the, the owner cared about you as the fans you'd feel completely different is that right is, is does this come down to Stan Kroenke's disengagement
8: Yeah absolutely and and look football fans are fickle they they kind of want it both ways so, you know, historically, we've loved the fact that one of the fans will get involved, they're passionate, they go to every game, um, and they're kind of, they're, they're almost losing money, but they're just there because they love the club. Um, but we're also quite fickle, I and mean, you can only have to look as far as Chelsea and Man City, right? So they got two foreign owners who are very distant, uh, and they're sort of, you know, Man City from the Middle East, Russian for Chelsea. They pumped millions and millions, and they effectively bought the leagues in a kind of franchise way. Um, and I bet you, you know, when Kroenke came along or something like that, when we were all fans, we were thinking, do you know what? I want a piece of that because if someone's going to pay for success, then not in a in a roundabout way, but we'd like to be sort of part of the success. But what's happened with Kroenke is that money's been coming out of the club and it's really gone hand in hand with our with our lack of success on the pitch. We've slid down from being, when Wenger was around, to be our manager and the previous owners, you know, we were a top four club. We were getting into the Champions League, which is the pinnacle of, uh, European football, and it's, we were consistently there. We, in My lifetime I'd never seen us not qualify, and now since the Cronkies have arrived, we've, we've not qualified since. And when that goes hand in hand, and they're not putting the money into the club that others are, and we sort of expected this, even if it wasn't an emotional investment, at least like a financial, and at least having a face there. You know, it's we if that if that had any if, if there was any success in the club, then I guess we wouldn't even be having this conversation. You know, because Chelsea and City aren't. They're very successful at the moment and they're not, you know, crowding outside their owners, even though they are disenfranchised and they are um, maybe just sort of not putting their face to it as much. And uh, but they're successful. So they're not outside the gates of their club. But it's just all of this tied into one. And it's just it's really upsetting to see.
3: Toby, everything you're saying, everyone in St. Louis is either driving in their cars or they're listening to this on on their streaming devices, whatever. And they're nodding their heads because Stan Kroenke, the Kroenke family, it's the same exact playbook as we had here in St. Louis. He becomes the majority owner of the team. He's never around. He's never in the community, completely divested emotionally and physically. He never really poured money into the franchise until they moved it to L.A. So everything you're saying, we're like, yep, that's exactly right. That's the Stan Kroenke. (laughs) playbook here. But you talked about the Super League and we watching it from afar were very encouraged because the fans rarely get a win in situations like this. Owners come together when greed is the motivating factor. Usually they win out and fans just have to adjust to whatever they want. And the fans, the media, everybody who loves the construct of soccer made their voices heard and the owners had to acquiesce to that. So do you look at what happened with the dismantling of the Super League and think maybe as Arsenal fans, we can do the same thing. Maybe we can mobilize together and make our voices heard enough that we can do something to force Cronky out.
8: Yeah, I, look, I, it's a really good point because I think there should be like some positives that we can take from this because it was really exciting—the fact that so many people were so encouraged um, and got together in such a powerful way across social media. Everybody on the television was super, super. You know, against it. And it really, really helped the narrative to push these clubs away from, or the owners, I should say, away from what was a really bad decision and was against all competition. Um, you know, I would say that, you know, the Premier League, UEFA, FIFA, are, 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 they're not innocent. Um, and the way that football is at the moment is, is still not. It's really good because, you know, there's still a hell of a lot of competition, but it is designed in a way to keep the successful club successful and the others not. Um, but there are other issues. And, and I think. You know, this, it's a money versus money argument when it comes to the league versus the Super League. It's not, a, you know, fundamental competition versus versus money like it's sort of portrayed. Although the fans really, are, you know, I want the football and, I, and they want the money. But, you know, I think from a, from a league point of view, they they are all about the money. But that's just a reality we've accepted. And, and that is fine because there's still competition there. You can get relegated and that sort of thing. But going back to your positives, you're absolutely right. Like, for me, the, the UEFA, for example... If somebody's racist in a game, they get a 10-match ten- ten ban, absolute tops, which is nothing, you know. It's it's awful, it's disgusting, and I just feel like the amount we can do because there's a bit of money at threat, if the fans got together and were very upset about a new league being created, you know, the teams were being banned, the players were being banned from playing for their country, you know, why aren't we pushing like this? And maybe we can push like this to get things like racism um, out of the game and maybe higher bans, you know. So if you just sort of compare, if you went to the Super League, you're banned from playing for the national team. But if you're racist, you just have to sort of sit on the sit on the bench for playing games. And it's just why can we? Why can't we apply, you know, this sort of mass hysteria to something more powerful and hopefully more engaging to make the the, the game a better game altogether? Um, and we can apply that across, you know, various other things in football that are going on as well. But I just thought that was quite a good example. And hopefully we can all come together and, yeah, you know, I think it's a bit it it's something positive to take out of it that we can all come together and, and take action. You know.
4: Well, Toby, here in St. Louis, we are on your side. We're rooting for the fans. We're rooting for you. And we appreciate you taking some time with us today. And we advise people to to follow you on Twitter at Arsenal underscore editor to keep up to date on what's happening. Thanks so much and have a a great evening.
8: Thanks so much. Great to be on. Have yourself a great day. I'm going to enjoy my uh, Friday afternoon. Thanks. (laughs) Take care. That is Toby Parks.
4: And he is the host of the Arsenal Editor podcast, joining us on 101 ESPN.
3: Gosh, what a disgusting playbook. It is the same yep. thing that they do with every single team. Yep. It's exactly what we experienced here in St. Louis.
4: Hashtag Arsenal 2 LA.
3: <laughs> Just move everybody over there. <laughs> yeah. But I like this text from the 314 in all capital letters. We stand with our brothers and sisters across the pond. <laughs> F. Cronkey We do.
2: <laughs>
4: Joe Vitale joins us next for his weekly visit on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle
4: Dan Randy on 101 ESPN. We are watching MLB Network here in the studio and we're watching the Therapy Bunny that they had last night at Oracle Park in San Francisco and as Joe Vitale joins us on the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line, Joey, we, we need to ask you: What do you think of the idea of a therapy squirrel at Cardinal games and a
9: therapy oh bear at Blues games? Is this one of those things where it's like a therapy animal in the sense that you need to protect the emotions of the fans? Is yes. that is that what we're talking yeah. about? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I love it. I love the idea of uh, of emotional creatures. Anything that could help the St. Louis Blues or any team for that matter that are kind of going through the lulls of the season. I think there's a lot of great science behind that i'm not sure about a squirrel but you know definitely a bunny because they're nice and fluffy i had this conversation with Think alex the other day i was coming down manchester it kind of begs the question you know how much do we love animals and where do you draw the line as far as the animals we want to protect and not but i'm driving down manchester and all of a sudden the traffic comes to a stop and in the middle of the road there's no stoplights. right over there by 270 manchester and it's almost an accident, almost like a, a five-car collision happens. And I'm thinking, what the heck is going on? I finally go around these cars. There are two geese crossing the road. And somebody decided to stop on a dime to allow a geese to live and almost got rear-ended by, th- like, three cars.
3: I'm trying to think, Yeah, I, you know, I know some animals you got to stop for. But I don't know, guys. What do you think? Is a goose worth it? Yeah, I think – if you run over a goose and then you arrive at your destination and there's feathers stuck in the grill of your car, you're going to feel badly about it. It's car- It's a karma deal. I would have stopped for a goose.
9: Yeah, see, I don't know. I think I'm running over that goose <laughs> because, you know, I don't want to get rear-ended. I had another situation, speaking of swirls, and this is an interesting one as well. I'm, I'm driving, and this is in when I was in Atlanta, you know, visiting my girl from the time, my now wife. And I'm driving down the road out of her subdivision. And there is this poor squirrel that is struggling because the backside of it, the back side of it got ran over by a tire. So the front legs, and I'm feeling so bad for this little squirrel. And, you know, it's barely trying to inch its way across, but its whole backside is flattened. So what did I do? I know you may, some people don't like this, but I actually tried to run over it. And I missed it the first time I put it in reverse. and I actually ended its life, which I feel bad about, but I know that squirrel at some point is going to die anyway. Yep. I'm still I'm still struggling with the karma of that one too, guys.
4: I'll tell you what's the worst is hitting a skunk. You ever hit a skunk? It smells up your car for months.
9: Oh, they stink! I've never hit one before, Randy. But <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I mean, I just going through the farm and going through the uh, the wild Maryland Heights out there with all that flood ground. I mean, you just smell a lot of skunk mm-hmm. out there. But um, it's one of those one of those crazy things. Hey, on a brighter note, I got something <laughs> for you guys. Okay, um, it's a lot of death this morning. Yeah. Um, I want your guys' take on this. I, I have I have found something that has changed my life and when are we gonna wake up as a society, especially men, and realize what we are missing? Guys, I'm talking about the fanny pack. The fanny oh, pack baby. is Back. What are your guys' thoughts on that?
3: Joey, the Fanny Pack has been back for a while. Welcome to the Fanny Pack Circle. I have one, and it's great. Um, not only does it hold all of your things, but your hands are still free. You still have a lot of movement with the hands.
9: Listen, Michelle, I am 100% on board with you, and, and I'm telling you right now, if anyone out there listening, put all the sports talk aside. This is the most important thing you're going to hear all day because it's going to change your life, especially for you men out there. I am so sick and tired of carrying my phone. In my wallet, in my keys. I wear glasses, so I have sunglasses. I have eyeglasses. I have AirPods. I do a lot of these radio hits and a lot of Zooms as well. I just have crap constantly in my pockets. And I have these hockey legs, right? So I can barely fit in pants as it is. <laughs> and then I have to stuff all this stuff in these pockets. I'm walking around like an oompa loompa, and I can't take it anymore. I finally go to my wife last week and say, babe, I need a freaking backpack. And she goes, what do you need a backpack? I said, I need something to carry all my stuff, and I got too much crap. And I got all these kids that always need snacks, and need diapers. I'm just tired of it. Math, I always forget masks she goes, okay, well, these are kind of big and bulky. She goes, what about a fanny pack? I go, no, I can't wear a fanny pack. And she goes, no, listen, they're really sleek now. Lululemon's got a couple ones. You barely tell they're there. Guys, I got a black Lululemon fanny pack. I wear this thing everywhere. Randy, Dan, get on board. Your your, mm. your pockets are free. Your hands are free. You can do whatever you want. You can go cross body, your waist. You can go front side, back side, upside down, backside. It doesn't matter. Your hands are free. This will change your life, man. Get on board with the man fanny pack. It's the real
3: deal. The manny pack.
5: Yeah.
9: The jo- manny pack.
4: Love jo- it. Joey, I have not worn one generally in public lately, but as a bicyclist, it's a really convenient item to have when you're riding a bike because, you, like you say, you put all that stuff in there. That, that there isn't much room on a bicycle, and you're wearing bike shorts and stuff. It's a great thing to have. So it- I like the idea, and I didn't realize that they were making
9: them sleeker and more yeah, fashionable now. They're great. Uh, it, it's amazing. You go to, you go to the amusement parks, you go to Disney World, and it seems like a great idea. I was, I was How was the park? It was great, you know, because you got your fanny pack and your hands are free. You put the tickets in there. It makes sense when you're in an amusement park. Why aren't we taking this into our everyday life? It really should be a staple in our everyday, um, everyday get-up-and-go routine, I believe.
3: Also, before I ask you a hockey question, Joey, I just want to let you know, don't be afraid to graduate to a satchel or a full crossbody bag. Indiana Jones wore one, so you're fine.
9: Yeah, he was the man. Like, listen, he's the man. He was blowing dust off tablets and recovering the chalice of exactly. Jesus Christ. I mean, if, if that guy can do that, I think it's a pretty cool thing.
3: All right, Joey, do the Blues need a therapy bunny? Do they need an emotional support bunny? Because I'm watching the post game last night, and I know that this team is frustrated, and I posed the question to Dan and Randy earlier. They're, of course, human beings. I wonder if they feel defeated at this point.
9: Yeah, I'm starting to see defeat really kind of creep into this team. And I feel terrible saying that, but I think I think it's the reality. I think that they could use a boost. They could use a hug. They could use some energy. This has been a tough year for this team. And it's been a tough year for every team. This isn't an excuse. But when you're losing, it makes it just so much worse. And this is a team that dealt with a lot of injuries, that dealt with a lot of uh, chemistry issues with different guys coming back in the lineup. You're losing huge pieces on the back end with your captain, along with Pareko for the most part of the year. Bo Misor was gone. Gunnarsson was gone. Uh, it, It led to shakiness in front of the defensive squad, which led to shakiness in front of your goaltender. And it's just amazing the domino trickle effect it's had on the team this year. And then you throw COVID on top of that. Guys, I'm telling you, travel is another thing. Travel has beat this team up. Again, I'm not making excuses, but this team has the worst travel probably of any team in the National Hockey League right now, given the fact that they are crossing um, two time zones. They did it a, quite a bit there in March during that very, very crucial time in the season. Uh, the sleep pattern has been throwing these guys off, being in hotels way out on the West. You know, their kids are going to bed early. They can't really call, call their wives and stuff like that. It's been a whirlwind of a year. Yes, they could use a therapy bunny. Yes, they could use a hug. But most importantly, they, need, they could use a win. And, and a win could give this team some confidence, and it's going to be much needed here down this stretch of games because – it does look like a team that is just really fighting to kind of find that confidence and that swagger. And in the next 12 games is going to be important because these games in hand on Arizona, they're evaporating pretty quickly. And you have teams behind you with the same amount of games, if not even the LA Kings with the game in hand. And they got some, a little bit easier of a competition coming up over the next 12 games versus the St. Louis blues. So it's going to be a dog fight. Something's got to happen for sure.
2: I thought last night in, in watching the game, Joey, the, the first power play, the blues, do a great job as is the avalanche you could see they're really aggressive up top blues recognize that get the puck low they score but then they don't get the puck out of the net at the end of the first and we can talk about travel as you said it's not excuse and you can talk about COVID and all these different things but it's the little things like that that they have not done this year get the puck out of the zone you go in one nothing after the first 20 minutes and maybe it's a different game
9: and that's exactly right, Dan. I mean, take care of that golden egg, right? Everyone's got that golden egg, that golden goose. You got you to take care of that goose. Or if, if you let that goose run wild, the coyotes or the wolves are going to get them, so you always have to protect it. And the Blues did not do a good enough job protecting that puck last night. That is gold. That's your gold nugget. You know, you look at what Zach Sanford did in the first period. Listen, is it a bad play? No, it's not a bad play. He's trying to make a pass through the middle. It's, it's an aerial pass that gets batted down. The Colorado Avalanche 4 made a good play on that. Is it a bad play? No. But is the timing of the play bad? Yes. Is the, is the location of the play bad? Yes. He can make that play in the offensive zone, but he doesn't. He makes it inside his own blue line, and he makes it with 30 seconds to go in the first period. That's in-game adjustments. That's in-game awareness of recognizing you got the lead. It's late in the period. That putt just has to get out, and he knows that. And then you look at Justin Falk's turnover there in the third period. Pucks up on end. It's an unfortunate bounce, but it's not hard enough. Doesn't get out, but the Blues are still in a good spot right after that turnover. They have the bodies there, but this lethal first line of Colorado kind of goes to work, and they put it right in the back of their net. That's the bad. You look at the good. You mentioned that power play. I mean, that's a very big positive for me as far as what it's going to take to beat a team like Colorado. It's going to take almost perfection. And you look at that goal that Jaden Schwartz scored in that first period. I mean, the passing from Hoffman to Dunn to Bozak, back to Dunn, back to Bozak, over to Schwartz for a one-timer, it's elite passing. It's, pl- it's like playing keep-away in the backyard with all your neighborhood kids. If, if Billy's in the middle and you got four guys around you, you know, Billy's never going to get that ball if the passes are good and, the, and the, re- the receptions are good, right? So the elite passing, when it's there, it looks great. And that's the frustrating part for a lot of fans, I think, and for me as well, You see when it looks really good. And like on that goal, for example, holy smoke, this is a really good hockey team. We have really good talent on this team. And it's just a shame that you can't see it on more of a consistent night-in, night-out basis. And that intensity that we see so often in the final three minutes of these games, you wish you could see more of that intensity uh, throughout the game. Uh, Again, it's something that, as frustrating as it is, it's something that needs to get figured out very quickly because they're starting to run out of time.
4: Hey, Joey, one last thing for you, and it's this. Is it just a coincidence that this team started losing when Oscar Sundquist went out? And if it's not a coincidence, what did he do that made him so valuable?
9: It's not a coincidence at all, Randy. I mean, not not even one bit. I mean, this is a player that, as I talked to Craig Berube during the pause back in November, we did a, a season ticket holder event where I did a Zoom with Craig Berube. It was funny, this kid asked Craig Berube, you know, really cute and sick. Hockey player on this team, really cute question, pretty genuine question. Actually, I'm surprised I haven't asked it, but uh, Craig Ruby, of course, laughed. He said, you know, I love them all. They're all great players in their own right. But I will say Oscar Sunquist to me is the engine that runs this team. I was kind of surprised by that. Honestly, I mean, look at Bennington, look at O'Reilly, David Perrard, Brayden Shen, some of these just like high caliber guys that really just get after it and the, the ones that kind of have that fame, right? But Oscar Sunquist, according to Craig Berube, the player, that the bloodline, the engine quote unquote, that runs this team. And why did Craig say that? Because Oscar embodies everything this coach is trying to do. Every coach has a game plan. Every coach has a style, but without the players willing to go out there and perform in that style, it's as good as lost guys. So Craig Berube is that run and gun, snarly, grizzly, smash mouth hockey, get at the net, disrupt the play, cause chaos. That's the way he was in Philly. That's the way he was as a player. That's the way he was as a coach in Philadelphia. Went to, they went to the Stanley Cup final. He was the same way in Chicago in the American Hockey League. And he came up here in 2018, and he was that coach. So his style is his style. But you need the players to go out there and play with that urgency, to play with that jam, to play with that heaviness, or else, or else the mindset and the game plan, it's as good as loss. So when Oscar Sundquist goes out, that's one of your bloodline guys. That's the guy that gets in there. He starts games. He kills penalties. He blocks shots. He puts his body and his heart and soul on the line every single shift, and it makes the entire team better. So, yes, it is not a coincidence whatsoever that when 70 went out, along with I got like, players like Alexander Steen, along with players like Jay your guys just heart and soul guys that put everything on the table, it's no, it's no question that it had a huge impact on how this team has continued kind of to suffer since number seven has been on the lineup.
4: Joey, great stuff as always. Have a great weekend. Bring home a winner tomorrow, okay?
9: Sounds good. Randy, Dan, Michelle, you guys have a great weekend as well. Always a pleasure. All right, my man. The great Joe Vitale
4: joining us on 101 ESP and always brings something new and interesting. Mm.
3: I'm shocked that Joey killed the squirrel. Uh,
4: that's a really that's a moral dilemma, isn't it?
3: Yes, but if you told me that there was a story involving Joey, a car, and a squirrel, I would think Joey would be the guy to put it in park, get out, save, the, save. Squ- the squirrel, and release it back into the forest. But he something. knew
2: that squirrel was done for. You ever put a squirrel on the trigger? <laughs> no. Okay. They, well, you've, you've tried
4: everything else on there. I, I have seen squirrels in the freezer departments of local stores. Really? Okay.
2: Mm-hmm. Just, that's I, not happening. I, honest question. I just wanted to know. Good like, question. Like, would, okay. you yeah. would you try it? Would you try squirrel meat? Sure. We're, I would not.
3: I don't think I would.
2: I bet our textures, there's a bunch of them, and I bet that they have tried squirrel. It, isn't it kind of like having crab legs? Is As the, the movie line
4: said, is the juice worth the squeeze? I don't well, know. For I've never had it.
3: It's definitely worth the squeeze. Yeah, I
4: don't think it is. I don't think there's enough food there. Really? Yeah. It's just me talking.
3: A lot of work. Too not, much. Yeah.
4: Too much work to eat. I want something immediate.
3: I you want, want a steak.
4: <laughs> I want a 32-ounce steak.
2: I want, uh, at Somebody the, wants it served at the stadium. Squirrel? Yeah. On a stick? I don't know if it's on a stick. I've never had squirrel. I haven't either. One
4: time uh, when Dorf and Hearts was at, and by the way, the Jim Hart Sunny Hill Golf Tournament Monday here in St. Louis. Nice. But they had a, a Dorf and Hearts at Union Station, and we went there, and they had a 48-ounce steak. It was a
2: monster. And I ordered it, and I could not finish it. Wow. You took it home, though. Yeah. A lot of squirrel and noodles. Squirrel is pretty good. Squirrel
3: and noodles?
2: Squirrel is a little tough. Rabbit is better, easier to skin.
3: Oh. Yeah,
2: a lot of people. There, there's, I'm sure you'd find a way on the Traeger.
3: You know, when I oh. uh, lived in Italy in college. Right next to
2: your uh, carrot cake. Sorry. <laughs> Go right ahead. You're- Italy.
3: Um, in the town that I lived in, their delicacy was horse. Oh, man. Cavallo.
4: Horse. Mm. I tried it. I heard uh, from uh, Dan, our old friend, Kevin Horrigan, yeah. when he covered the Olympics in Seoul, he said that they ate, they had dog in the window. They had like fettuccine al-fido, buttered
2: poodle, things like that.
3: Dan, what are we going to do?
2: 9-15, uh, you're killing me, Smalls. Shh, German shepherd pie. Hey, we got, <laughs> I just saw we have Walt Jockety coming up. We do. Looking forward to that, yeah. former Cardinal GM. That'll Coming up. Great. Coming at up, though. 945. <laughs> we've got the fight for you on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
3: character and Smallman with Danny Mac on this Friday. It's time for the fight. So let's welcome in Randy's competition today. Alex is with us. What's up, Alex?
9: Hi, Michelle. How are you guys doing? Happy Friday.
3: Happy Friday to you, Alex. Hey, Alex.
2: uh, What do you do for a
9: living? I am actually a law student up in Michigan right now. Oh, Um, yeah?
2: You got us on the app, huh?
3: Have you on
9: the app? And I'm on on break.
3: I love it. Alex, where in Michigan?
9: Lance
2: actually in Lansing, Michigan. Oh, Very okay, cool. Michigan State, huh? Is that right? Michigan State?
9: Right. In, actually Western Michigan okay. Cooley Law School, right downtown All right. Lansing.
2: All right. Well, good luck to you.
3: Good luck, Alex.
9: Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Michelle. All right. You got
3: it. Question number 1. What Cardinals wideout led the NFL with 91 receptions in the strike-shortened 1987 season? Was it Pat Tilley, JT Smith, or Roy Green?
2: I'm
9: going to go, Rory Green.
2: What Blues forward scored two shorthanded goals on February fifteenth, two thousand, against Atlanta? Was it Pavel Dimitra, Pierre Turgeon, or Michael Hanzus? I mean, everybody remembers that game on February fifteenth of two thousand <laughs> against Atlanta. <Right. laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, uh, I'm going to go with Turgeon. All right.
3: Okay. Yeah, I definitely remember that one. Yeah. All right, uh, Alex. Earlier in the show, we spoke to Toby Parks from across the pond. So we have an English Premier League question for you. Which team has the most Premier League championships? Is it Manchester United, Liverpool, or Arsenal? It's
2: Manchester United. All right. In 1946, the Cardinals and which team played a three-game series to decide the championship NL championship, which the Cardinals would go on to win. Was it the Brooklyn Dodgers, the Philadelphia Athletics, or the New York Giants? Brooklyn, Philly, or New York? i say Brooklyn. Alright.
3: Okay, we're checking our score here. We're I think Randy. he got
2: a shot. These are some random questions.
3: Uh-oh, Randy's walking in with a golf club. Oh, it's a putter.
2: That is an old school putter, too.
3: Yes, it is. What What's going on with wow. that putter, Randy? Let me see that thing. As you get settled in, also. I don't please. like
2: that you're walking behind me with a putter. Yeah. No, I was just out hitting a couple in the hall.
3: Please say what's up to Alex, Randy.
2: Oh, Alex! It is. <laughs> I see it now. It is Here, great, let me see. great. to have I don't you. I know that you want to see it. Uh oh. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing.
3: Oh man, where'd you get this, Alex is this, in Randy? law school. <laughs>
2: Somebody sent it to me. Oh. Alex Somebody sent this. He's to in you. law school in Lansing, Michigan. Okay. He's got us on the app. Oh, very
4: nice. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing.
2: How's the weather up there? But it's better than here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not too bad. All right. Nice. It's been... Hey, Alex, are you from St. Louis? I'm actually from Springfield, Illinois. Okay. And... What kind of law are you studying? I'm studying, oh. hopefully, it'll be. I'm staying sports. Want to get into sports law? Oh, okay, good. All right, maybe you could rep Randy.
3: Yeah, shout out to the Lady Lincoln too. (laughs) All right, ready, ready, Ready. Randy. What Cardinals wideout led the NFL with 91 receptions in the strike-shortened 1987 season?
4: Hmm. Uh, That would have been
3: J.T. Smith.
4: I, what, miss, I, I was producing the games and missed a touchdown that he scored. I was in a commercial break.
2: What oh. Blues forward scored two shorthanded goals on this memorable game of February 15th of 2000 against Atlanta? February 15th of 2000. Yeah. It's um, one that goes yes, down to the, for everybody. To remember, this is, like the, this is like the go crazy folks. Yeah. Two shorties. David yeah.
3: Freeze on February 15th,
2: 2000. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll do the, uh, the old lifeline here. Pavel Dimitra. I'll go with him. All
4: right. <laughs> That was going to be my choice. Oh, okay.
3: You don't even want to hear the other options? All right. Uh, As you know, Randy, we spoke to Toby Parks from across the pond earlier today, so we wanted to throw in an English Premier League question. Beautiful. Good. Which team has the most Premier League championships?
4: I believe
2: it's uh, Manchester United. All right. 1946, the Cardinals and which team played a three-game series to decide the NL championship? 1946 that's correct so the war
4: has ended (laughs) and the sensible choice here is brooklyn so i'm gonna go with brooklyn
3: close fight close fight emily ring the bell
1: The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight sponsored by Ryan Kelly and Herolone.com. Check out how they help veterans and service members at the new and improved Herolone.com.
3: Randy with the victory. Sorry, Alex. He beat you three to two. Just edged out with that last question as he pumps his fist in victory. The rare fist bump, too, from Danny Mac Mm -hmm. after the victory. Normally, Dan is very upset, but it's a Friday. I think Dan's just showing love.
2: I thought this was a tough one. I I did. I thought these were tough. Randy came through three out of four against the uh... Excitable, Alex.
3: But good, good job, Alex. You got two out of four correct on this tough fight. So let's reveal our answers here. The Cardinals' wideout that led the NFL with 91 receptions and the strike-shortened 1987 season was J.T. Smith.
2: And the Blues forward that scored—you both missed this. Two shorthanded goals. I would have gotten this. <laughs> I would have. Got, I'm serious. I would have gotten. It was Michael Hanzus.
0: Can I defend myself on this question? Yeah, sure. These are really hard to come up with.
2: Oh well, there you go. is. That your defense? Is that your defense? <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, no, these are these are hard to come up with. Okay, so, well,
2: I know. I, why did you come up with February 15, two thousand, against the Atlanta Thrashers?
0: Because, well, okay, so. <laughs> where, I mean that's just I a source, random where I source these from. Uh-huh. Um, don't reveal it because then Randy will. I'm not. I'm not going to. Okay. Okay. I'm not going to source because people where will I say ju- justice for the fighters. Where I typically source my questions. Yeah. Didn't give me things today okay so you me- were
2: just you had to dig around yes yeah, so, so you just looked there just at february wasn't a lot 15th. and a
0: lot of them were very easy it was well i have kind of like a bank
2: Is february 15th a special day in your life
0: it is not two okay. short-handed
2: goals a it's, special it's day it's though. not it's, yeah. right. it's
0: not so i, I can't I, believe you
2: didn't get hanzo's he was always on the pk it was oh.
3: such a special day for michael hanzo's i, yeah. I think
2: on that february
4: 15th i might have been busy all right
3: that specific, February 15th?
4: Against Atlanta, I remember that I missed the game. Okay.
3: Unbelievable. Jeez, oh, Randy. In, in Emily's defense, these are things you should know. You're megamind.
4: Yeah. I will tell you this. That was, if I'm not mistaken...
3: The day after Valentine's Day?
4: Well, it was the day after <laughs> Valentine's Day. But I believe it was a, a makeup game in Atlanta. Because on January, the week of January 30th, uh, an ice storm in Atlanta shut the city down the week before january 30th of
3: 2000 let's check the old google machine for that yeah. one um the premier the team that has the most premier league championships is in fact manchester united
2: and he went with the logical choice here with the brooklyn dodgers mm-hmm. they faced the cardinals in 46 so hey alex good luck on your uh law career and uh thanks for playing and thanks for listening
9: thank you guys and Danny, Danny Mack won't be able to listen to you tonight because I'll actually be at the Cardinal game tonight at Ballpark Village from the at and rooftop. Love oh, awesome.
3: Oh, have, have a great time. Have an awesome time.
2: Well, safe travels getting back here and enjoy the game tonight. Thank you, guys. You got it. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate Alex being with us on 101 ESPN.
4: Coming up, I got a text from Tom Brady yesterday about his uh, thoughts about NFL jersey
1: numbers. We'll read it to you when we come back on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
4: This week, the NFL changed their number rules so that defensive and offensive players can wear different numbers. And Tom Brady, none too happy about it. He put a piece up on Instagram and yesterday sent me a text. He said, hey, what's up? Happy Thursday. You know, a bunch of people have been te- have texted asking why I don't like the jersey number rule change. So shooting out this message so that I can answer it. Basically, the whole point of the number limits are to help offenses and defenses both identify who's in a legal position where people can... Uh, go that's the point of the rule if you're going to uh, w- what's the point of the rule if you're going to keep expanding it he he thinks that he should be able to point out a number as the the middle linebacker you're I would suggest, issues over there today yeah, you okay? I, an empty propel bottle falling and stuff I don't have much room over here I would suggest <laughs> that Brady just talked to Mac Jones who completed seventy seven point four percent of his passes in college this year had to go against a good Texas A&M defense, for example, went 20 of 27 with four touchdown passes, Mac Jones did with the the defensive lineman wearing numbers like three and two and five. The weak side linebacker was 33. The middle linebacker was number one. Cornerbacks were wearing zero and 17. Safeties were wearing nine and 26. A nickelback was wearing number four. So if you want to make it easy on yourself, Tommy, Tommy boy, if you're so upset about the numbers, just ask Mac Jones how he did it.
3: So after the NFL announced several new rules and proposals, which, as Randy mentioned, there's more flexibility on the numbers player square I think we should reveal what he posted on his social media. So he said, good luck trying to block the right people now, going to make for a lot of bad football. And then he says, why not let the linemen wear whatever they want to? Why have numbers? Just have colored jerseys. Why not everyone wear the same number? And all caps, DUMB. Do
2: you guys remember a quarterback by the name of Jared Lorenzen?
3: Yes, of course.
2: hefty <gasps> lefty. Yes. J-Load. He was 22 at the University of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. I'd be fine if he got under center someday wearing number 76. he passed away. He did. He did. He passed away. He was 315 pounds, 6'4", mm-hmm. yeah. and he could he R. could R. sling it. Uh, I would go with uh, a quarterback wearing number 76 like Jared Lorenzo. Get under center and just care. let it rip. Yeah, I got no problem with it. Um, yeah, this whole number thing, don't care. I Come care on, Randy, you, you need to get over it. You and need to get, and well, fine, to, get to get over it. Tom Brady, fine. Tom needs to get over it. But know. you, but you are so ridiculous about the numbers that guys wear, and it's, it's bad. It's bad ball on your part. You need to move on. Need to move on. Wow. Well, then I would. It's think a hot take s- that uh, the broadcasters
4: would really like it if, like Tom said, everybody just just went with blank jerseys with no
2: numbers. Hey, I've done games where uh, they have no names on the back. And then the numbers mix in with the actual jersey color. Oh, yeah. And I I've see been, that. you know, about a mile up in mm-hmm. the press box. Deal with it. Okay? I don't want to hear it. Deal Tommy, with it. Tommy has to deal with it. I, that's I, fine. I, deal with it. You I, do, too, because this is an emotional thing for you. I'm really not that fired up about it. I can't yes, like, you are. I like the idea. You, if the first thing you ask me when a guy gets called up. What number is he going to wear? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's important. You, you don't ask me, hey, where does he fit in the lineup? Or is he going to get a start? Does this guy fit in the rotate? No. I get a, who, what numbers are you wearing? Who cares? Worry about what happens between the white lines, Randall. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, you'll be better for it. Look good. Play good. That's fine. And I, I think that uh, if Jared Lorenzen was going to be under center, he'd look good at number 76 you, taking that snap. There's only one guy that looks good wearing number 76. Only Orlando.
3: Orlando.
4: Orlando Pace. That's the only one. All right. And 71. He wanted to wear 75 and seventy one. give it to him. <laughs> 71.
2: 71 is... Come on. How about 17? No. I, I If he wants to wear 117, I don't care. See, I do.
3: The player makes the number. Why do you the care? Number.
2: The player does not make the number, Michelle.
3: Come on. Yes, he or she does.
4: No, the number absolutely makes the player. What would Omar Olivares have been? Have been... He would have been a nobody if he didn't wear double zero.
3: So you're telling me that the number 23 made Michael Jordan what he is. If he had a different number from the beginning, he wouldn't have been the goat. 23 made him what he is.
4: Did you watch him play in 45?
3: Thank you. I win.
4: Uh, Now, going back to my question, though, I'd have taken him at 45.
3: If he wore 45 from the beginning, you're telling me zero championships?
4: How many championships did he win wearing number forty-five?
3: I'm saying if he wore it from the beginning, Zero.
4: zero. So A- you- and let me throw this out you, out at you. So I just want to throw this out: if Omar Alvarez doesn't have double zero, he's just Mar Laveris.
2: No, I would have known the difference, and I wouldn't have worried about it. But he wouldn't have had any O's. That's what I'm saying. I, I know what you're. I know where you're going with that, with the double zero or double O. I have no problem. With him wearing double zero, or somebody wearing one hundred and seventeen, whatever. If if we don't
4: care, then why isn't Pedro uh, Carlos Martinez allowed to wear his hero Pedro Martinez's number? If numbers don't matter, Bob Gibson wore that number.
2: We retired if we don't care. thats that's a different argument. Oh, it's a different argument. Oh, so now, so now we do care.
3: But Bob Gibson made that number. It's about the player and. You're well, showing we respect we care, do, and homage. Do
4: we care about numbers or not? No. Okay, so let, we shouldn't retire them. We can put them
2: in a ring of honor and let everybody wear them. Well, that, that number becomes significant because of what the person did afterwards. Mm-hmm. So they did this in their playing career. Now we don't want somebody to wear that number because of what they did in that number. But in terms of what you're talking about, which is football and changing the guy's numbers and all that, I don't care. So why not let a player wear a number, number 10 player, or number 24? So if a great player has a great—today we today we're going to retire number 117, that's fine. Because he was a great player. But in the moment, I don't care. That's what I'm saying. You can go way too far into this. And you need to wake up. I'm in the weeds.
3: So if, like if Trevor Lawrence— gets drafted number 1 overall by the Jacksonville Jaguars mm-hmm. and he were to wear 71. You think he'd be a bad quarterback because he was wearing a number that's not assigned uh, yes. typically for a quarterback. There's
4: absolutely no way that a quarterback can be good wearing number 71. Okay. And oh by the way, sure he can. Oh by the way, just saying here. Uh 16,
2: he's got a lot to live up to. Brett Hall. Joe Montana. Oh, okay you also wore number 16. The number does not make the player, the player does. Depends. No. That's how it works. I would suggest that you're incorrect here. Okay. Well, I mean you have a fixation on these things and yeah. that's fine and number, you're not going to let it go and that's that's your fandom coming number, through. Number makes the player. So
3: are you on Tom Brady's side here?
2: He is. He's made the argument. And he is on his side. No, I, I, I totally started
4: the segment it. by saying that he should get some advice from Mac Jones, who had no problem with defensive linemen wearing numbers 3, 6, and 2.
3: So you think the outrage from Tom is too much?
4: Yeah, come on. It's he, a
3: little get off my lawnish.
4: You know what? Look at a guy's face. If you don't know who the Mike linebacker is, know all the faces of the defenders that you're going to be playing against. What about if I'm in a dime
2: package?
5: Ooh.
4: Is saying. Well, you still you, you have to pick out one guy. You're the quarterback, you go up to the line of scrimmage, you pick out one guy. I mean, if you don't know who Lawrence Taylor is, if you don't know
2: who Ray Lewis is, it's on you. I'm done with this. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm done with this. Because so, you now so are Tom. with Tom. <laughs> I'm with him. That's you. So hey, college
4: quarterbacks. There's a lot of college quarterbacks that have gone against players that have worn all kinds of different
2: numbers, and they've completed seventy percent of their passes. Seventy two. Here's the, the real question: Why do you have a fixation on numbers? I always have since I was a kid. All right, so now we got to the real. Yeah, it's a part mental of this. mental issue. All right. So. Okay.
4: Hmm. I remember when uh, the Cardinals acquired Joaquin Andujar. Is he going to wear number 47? And then yeah, they they gave him number 47.
2: What a great day in your life. Yeah. 47 is a good number. I like 47.
3: Is there a number you hate?
2: Oh, yeah, there's
4: a lot of numbers I hate. I think 68 is a stupid number. I can't believe Mike Hoffman wears it. 68, Richie Incognito. Was, it's just a stupid number. Yeah, there's some. 59 is a bad number. All due respect, Johan. Yeah, just there's some really bad numbers out there. Ugly numbers. It's like, uh, who was it? Uh, Dan Hino. Remember Dan Hynote? Danny Hynote. number fifty-eight, had a good good run with the he, Avalanche. He just walked into the and a good run here. Yes, he did. He walked into the uh, equipment room and the number. I think he was he, thirteen was his number. It was taken at the time by the Blues, and uh, the equipment person uh, said, "Hey, what number do you want?" He said, "Just give me the ugliest number you got." So they gave him fifty-eight. Fifty-eight said, I'm "It's okay. fine." Yeah, he didn't
2: care either. Clearly, all right. Coming up on 101 one ESPN. What no are... one is on your side on this. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it just, nobody. Is the text all, line? Yeah, nobody on the text line. Not one person. Yeah. There's got to be some player makes Kyle, the though, number from
3: the six three six, blowing my mind. What if golfers wore numbers?
4: What number would Tiger be?
3: Right.
4: And the question was: Yachty better at number as number forty one than at number four?
2: Player makes
4: the number. Mm-hmm. He switched and became a much better player. Thank you very much. Coming up, the PGA Tour is ready to hand out big money, but it's not for playing golf. That's next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
4: 908 in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The PGA Tour has created a new bonus structure that is going to reward the biggest stars regardless of how they perform. Golf Week reports that the new system designed to compensate players who are judged to drive fan and sponsor engagement players like Tiger and Bryson and and, uh, Ricky. This is really interesting. And I guess it's an effort to get players more engaged on a social media level and certainly on a media level altogether so that people will Google golfers.
3: Now there's a couple things here that I think skew towards the best players in the world benefiting from this, but there are several other factors here that I think could be incentivizing for young players they could get creative and they could really make sure to focus on their brand and on engaging the golf fan online and I think that's a really smart thing for golf especially knowing that the Tiger era is likely over the Phil era who knows how long that's going to be there's there's young golfers out there that I think could really benefit from this there's
4: one play there's one play only for PGA golfers the first one to start dating Kim Kardashian is going to win.
3: Wow, I didn't even think about that. She's back on the market. Yep, clearly would bring a lot of eyeballs and a lot of Google searches to this person. Mm-hmm. They would get the entire pool.
4: Yeah, you're exactly right. Forty million bucks. So you get the the whole pool. Well, your Q rating is part of it too. Yeah, there, break there are it multiple up. things that go into this. So okay. he,
3: here are the criteria: your popularity on Google search. The Nielsen mm-hmm. brand exposure rating, and that mm. measures the value a player delivers to sponsored uh, via his total time featured on the broadcast. Your Q rating, which is a metric of your familiarity and your appeal, basically, how likable are you? That's your Q rating. Your MVP rating, which is a measure of how much engagement a player's social media and digital channels drive. And I think that's key because a lot of Big name golfers might be pushing out content, but are they engaging with the golf fans? So I love that that one's included. And meltwater mentions, which is the frequency with which a player's mentioned across a range of media channels.
2: Aren't guys doing this anyway, though? I mean, they're trying to brand themselves to get sponsors and those kind of things.
4: Yes, and the key is so you've got eight golfers that are going to partake, an average of five. Now it'll be some guys will make more than others, and everybody knows. Was it Brooks Koepka that said Tiger's going to win this because he's the guy that is going to get Googled the most? He's going to have all of those ratings. So even though Tiger may not swing a club, he's going to win this. But in the scheme of things, the top golfers have already made six, seven, eight million. They're going to make 10 million by the end of the year is a share of 40 million worth their time to hop on Google or to hop on the internet, to hop on Insta or, or Twitter. Which
2: you could get really creative with this.
3: Well, that's why I look at someone like Max Homa who found his niche online on social media, rating and breaking down the average golfer swings, and he engages with the golf fan so much. And most of these people, like Tiger Woods, he has an entire team running his social media. But I think for young golfers who are very savvy when it comes to technology, this is a really interesting way for them to showcase their personalities and i wish baseball would do something like this to incentivize players to engage with their fans and to make them want to have star power online
2: 314 said did you guys see brooks kepka and david portnoy made a bet yesterday to play each other now that would be a way to do it too because you get very smart david portnoy mm-hmm. involved and he's got a massive following yep see that. that's, the, that's the how you do make. it but Kepko
4: is going to be one of these guys. When you start, it's going to be Bryson. It's going to be Tiger. It's going to be Brooks. It's going to be Rory. So there will be some other players that will have the opportunity to sneak in here. But Max Homa has to win more because ultimately it's going to come down to who wins the most, right?
3: But I I wish that golf would maybe tweak some of these things a little bit because it... It is unfair to just throw the Google search in there because, of course, Tiger is going to get Googled more than anyone. Of course, Brooks Koepka is going to get Googled more than someone like, yep. Max, like Max Homa.
4: Whose name grows the much, the most during the season that's from a, a percentage call. standpoint. Max Homa obviously has more if room you to grow and,
2: and, and engage. Yeah. But if you will, no, you no. will. So Absolutely. That's, that's the other thing. The, the texture here, 314, this is designed to stop foreign tournaments uh, or v- overseas tournaments and tours from paying large appearance fees and stealing uh, name players away from the PGA Tour. Well, they stole this from Saudi Arabia. The
4: idea of this came from uh, a player impact. This is called the Player Impact Program, uh, the the PIP, and it was a product of what they're doing in Saudi Arabia to try to get players to play over there. But but they were handing out
2: big money to for Tiger to go over right. there and play and that kind of thing. And, and that's if, not going to stop. What if I could just show up and get. You know, four million bucks for an appearance fee instead of worrying about my social media. Do that, right? Yeah, and the the best guys are, are going go to get that. that. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be interesting. It'll be
4: fun to watch these guys as they evolve on social media.
3: I also wonder which golfer has the highest Q rating because just because you're the most Google doesn't mean right. you're the most likable well, guy.
2: I still think that's going to Tiger leave, still leave Tiger out of it. I, I I'm with you. I think Tiger still, even with everything he's been through, is he he stops. The, the needle with everything. Yeah. And no matter what he's doing. And if I had to guess right now, I would say Rory.
3: Rory's pretty likable.
2: Plus, the from where he's known. from, world worldwide appeal. Mm-hmm. I think DJ's got appeal. Yeah, definitely. But because he he's likeable? just so good.
3: Do people really like him or are they intrigued by him? He's great, but he's had... Some yeah. some things that I don't know if people necessarily like. Lo- well, you know he's out there with Wayne Gretzky and well, the caddy yeah. uniform. that's the thing. Paulina
4: he's, probably helps him out. That's I say. Go. Good
3: point.
1: Yep. yep.
4: Coming up next on 101 ESPN, it's time for you're killing me, Smalls.
1: We're right back to the Carragher and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
4: Time for.
10: You're killing me, smalls.
3: So, the NFL draft, as we know, next week. We've talked a lot about the quarterbacks and where they might land. I was reading about Zach Wilson. He's rumored to be going to the Jets in the first round. And there's a report out there that he's talking to former Jets quarterbacks about what it's like to play in New York. I can't imagine those are positive phone calls. I can't imagine that's making him excited. Call to go Eli. Play in New
2: York. Call Eli.
3: If you're talking to former Jets quarterbacks and you're saying, I think I'm going there. What's it going to be like? Do you think they just are honest with him and they say, it's awful. It's going to be terrible. Just hope that you're bad enough that you get traded.
2: But what if you're the guy that wins in New York with the Jets?
3: That would be incredible. I think that's
2: that's the... Uh, you know, that's what pulls you in. You're a competitor.
3: You're a star forever if you're the yes, guy. Yes,
2: you're the guy. And your marketability in that town oh, it could be awesome. It could
3: be great. But if he's talking to former Jets quarterbacks oh, yeah. who were not the guy, I'm sure their experience was not great.
4: Talk to the For guy sure. who was the closest to being the guy. Mark Sanchez. Yeah. All the 17-year-old girls are going to love you.
3: He's going to say "It." the media's tough. And then your coach is going to get a tattoo of you on his body. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> and he I, loves feet.
3: He does love feet.
2: I have some I'd, I'd like to help you with your killing me small. I would love
3: some help. Give okay. me the assist, Dan.
2: Well, you gotta hit it.
3: You're killing me, small.
2: Okay, so um this is breaking this morning. And oh, it's on hold Twitter. On. Should so we get this breaking news Do you have official? That? I, hold this, on, let's
3: make it a super official here.
2: I think this is official. Okay. okay. Well, it's from the New York Times, so oh, well, yeah. Um, All right.
3: The drama. Are we here? Do we have it?
2: Oh, Emily, this suspense is killing me.
1: 101 <laughs> ESPN, breaking news
3: alert. Okay,
2: go. Uh, this does kind of fall into... Yes. You're killing me, Smalls, and sports. We source mm-hmm.
3: news from all over the place.
2: Don't really like to go into politics here. Uh-oh. However, it is I'm a nervous. sports figure going into politics. Uh, breaking news, Caitlyn Jenner, uh, the Republican former Olympian and prominent transgender activist is set to run for California governor. Those close to her said. Wow. uh, So she has made that decision today. 1976 Summer Olympics decathlete, decathlon champ. Yes. Formerly Bruce.
3: Formerly Bruce.
2: Right. Caitlyn Jenner. Wow. Running for governor of California.
3: Is Chris Jenner going to be the campaign manager?
2: Well, you're going to have a lot of really... Influential people on Twitter to help you out yes, and you Instagram. If I am,
3: I imagine the campaign's going to get a lot of eyeballs on it because of what you said. All of Caitlyn's family members are going to be posting about this, and they have a pretty big platform, pretty big reach.
2: So uh, she would challenge Governor Newsom of California in this year's recall election. Miss Jenner, whose candidacy represents one of the most prominent bids for public office by an openly transgender person, in the United States, she said she has filed initial paperwork to run. Um, let's see, anything else in here? No, but apparently she's going to run. Interesting. Okay. So now, Bruce Jenner, the great athlete of 76, is now Caitlin Jenner and running for governor of California. Are you cool with a reality
4: show being in your governor's mansion?
3: Well. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
2: All access. Yes, I, absolutely I am. Let's see it.
3: I would love to see what goes on yeah, you behind closed doors. Yep, I don't know if fun. we would love it.
2: They represent the people.
3: They do. So
2: let's see what happens.
3: Wouldn't that be interesting too? Because it would obviously be things that had happened prior while you're filming and editing. Mm-hmm. And you would know how things played out. So get to get to go back and look at how things went down politically then knowing what the ripple effect had been that would be very interesting
2: is caitlin still on the uh with their show got or they stopped doing the show right i think and it's they, the
3: final season now
2: and they put it out on instagram correct like now they're doing the show essentially but doing it through instagram i
3: hmm. know that the final season i think is airing right now okay i don't know what they're doing is she after
2: on that. that show still
3: i don't know i i know i've seen some clips with tristan thompson he's back in the mix oh okay. thank goodness Right, I know, Randy, you were concerned about yeah, that. Chloe deal. and Tristan back together. I think they're trying for baby number two. All
4: which, right.
3: Which Dan already knew. And
4: Chloe looks completely different. Chloe used to look like a lumberjack. She probably,
3: Randy! Well, I'm just don't saying. not say that. Well, She's beautiful.
4: I, she is now.
3: She always has been. No,
4: come on, Michelle. Randy! The surgery helped her. It's not, she didn't have a botched. <laughs>
3: Everyone is beautiful in their own way. Thank you, Michelle. That's what makes us all. I'm unique. not saying
4: there are not beautiful lumberjacks.
3: Oh my goodness, this is shade on another level. Let's not. Are go you disagreeing there. with this? I am totally disagreeing. Oh man, I think she is great, and I don't think we should. Miss everyone Chloe. is
2: is beautiful, and everyone should, is
5: beautiful.
4: That's right. In their own way. That's true.
3: And I just read a thing from her, and she was saying that all of the constant criticism about the way she looks compared to her sisters has taken a toll on her from a mental health perspective.
4: And so surgery is a good
3: thing? I don't. Think that they've denied having surgery. oh no, and I'm saying she looks—they're very, they're very does, open about I it. I don't think she looks like a lumberjack
2: We're anymore. Move up the crossover to 9:30 <laughs> because Walt Jockety's coming up yeah. later in the show at 9:45. Looking I, forward to that. And
4: I'm—let uh, me get this out there for
2: all the lumberjacks. No offense, I like
4: lumberjacks.
3: Oh, there's a whole what thing out did, there by the well, way. Well, what called... numbers
4: do they wear? Well, mm.
3: have you heard by the way Chloe about...
4: would have been. In the 70s, the 60s, and now she's probably in the 80s or the teens.
3: Have you heard about this thing called Lumber Sexual?
2: I have not, Michelle.
3: Well, if you like Lumberjacks, Randy, check it out on Instagram. You know
2: what? I just got called out. The writer <laughs> needed to talk to me about something. Good, good. Uh, so that's You're least.
3: killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls. Okay. So, guys, let's talk about the Reds game last night. As you know, Reds Reds and Cardinals oh, yeah. rivalry mm-hmm. renewed. Oh, Nick Castellanos.
2: He's back in town. Back People in are going to be going wild tonight at Bush.
3: Fans are going to be upset. But you bet. Speaking of fans and speaking of the Reds, there was an interesting moment in the Reds-Diamondbacks game last night. I was just night. trying to
2: help out. You're killing me, Smalls.
3: Thank you, Dan. No I, problem. I appreciate your help. Okay. Um, bottom of the sixth inning, home run, by Suarez. Most fans excited when there's a home run, but not this fan.
2: Oh, do you see the guy? Oh, we have it on.
3: your are Smalls.
7: Watch the fan go after the Suarez homer.
1: Uh-oh. Oh, no! Oh, man down!
4: <laughs> and then the little kid runs in and gets it. Uh, not only did he not get the home run ball, Uh-oh. he dropped his
7: nachos. Nachos everywhere. <laughs> Got a hole in my jeans. Oh, he's crestfallen. But still, they get it. Just hug it out.
2: You did your best, Dad. I was watching that game.
3: You were, did you see this happen in real time? Yes. So if you if you need the visual again, our man sees that the home run is coming towards him. There's obviously less people in the stadium, so the seats in front of him are open. He's there with his son. He has the nachos in one hand. He goes to grab the home run ball and he dives across several. Open seats, doesn't get the ball, and loses his nachos, and rips a hole in his jeans. He went oh, down man.
2: about three or four rows. Yes. And it looked like it was really painful. One, and then two, he One, two, three. Up. I'm
3: watching it again. Three, four rows. Yeah. You're right.
2: The, the nachos went everywhere, and the, the little kid did get the ball. There was another little kid there not related to him, I don't believe, because then he went back up to his seats and had to hug his son, who was a little guy. And so there was Miss Nachos and the Miss Souvenir.
3: And did you see the son kind of gave him the half hug?
2: It was like, like, "Eh. all right,
3: thanks, Dan. He was like, I'm I'm going to hug you, but you didn't get the ball and you lost my nachos. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Little guy was not happy.
3: Not thrilled. No. And again, watching this video, it was just your standard ballpark nachos, the circle chips with the regular standard nacho cheese. So Mm. we're not talking pulled pork nachos or tater tot nachos or anything like that.
2: Hey, which had lumberjack show? I don't
4: know. I can tell you this, that the Pittsburgh Pirates are in L.A. in August 16th, 17th, 18th so you can go watch your favorite team the lumber company i was i was
2: actually talking to michelle oh
3: are oh, you talking that. about what i mentioned yeah so it's it's
2: oh i see it now okay
3: it's called Lumber Sexual, and it's right. where people are attracted to only lumberjacks the beard the paul oh. bunyan vibes plaid see and
4: i do like khloe kardashian so there you go
3: well you're saying that mm. she's hot then is what i'm gathering <laughs>
2: I I said that I have no problems with some lumberjack. Need to hold on to some outdoor-based ruggedness, thus opting to keep a finely trimmed beard. That's right. Like it. That's some, what it says some people here. are
3: Instagram famous just for being hot lumberjacks. Cards so.
2: and reds tonight at the ballpark.
4: Uh, hot lumberjacks. I don't know <laughs> if we can continue this conversation, so we'll preview the Redbirds and the red legs. Wait a
2: minute. She's not done with your killing
4: me, small. Oh, uh, she done. gave me the oh. signal that she was. All right. Yeah, We're so. good here. KK and gray tonight, and we'll preview it for you on 101
1: ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
4: housekeeping for you. Walt Jockety, former Cardinal GM, now an executive advisor to the CEO of the Reds will join us coming up in about 10 minutes. And I'm going to be at a rally house in Chesterfield today from noon to two. You, If you wear your own favorite jersey when you stop by, doesn't have to have a number. Uh, if you stop by with a jersey that you are wearing, I'll be giving out $10 rally house gift cards while supplies last to anybody wearing a jersey. It's today from noon to two with me at Rally House in Chesterfield. So come on by and say hi. I may have to do that, Randy. The Cardinals, in their opening series against Cincinnati, lost the last couple after winning the opener. Scored a lot of runs in the first inning. Then they had the kerfuffle with Nicholas Castellanos. You like kerfuffle? Sure. Great word. And so tonight, the same two teams will get after it. And... It's a 7 o'clock game, which means a 6.30 pregame on Valley Sports. Valley, Valley Sports. Sports
2: Midwest. Actually, I think, unless the graphic was wrong, it it's could be an earlier start tonight. I probably should know that. I We can look at that. But as we go along, one of the things that um, I'm excited about is that I think this has a chance to turn into a pretty good rivalry. It's mm-hmm. always been mm-hmm. pretty good anyway, but when you had the the first series go the way that it did the kerfuffle, as Randy liked to say, with Castiano standing over uh Woodford and just the bad feelings that go from that, I think it's got a chance to be uh a fun I, I think it's a dynamic of this that we've missed. Like I agree. having the fans back mm-hmm. is going to add something to it. Um by the way, Emily tells us it is indeed a six or seven fifteen start. So 6.30 pregame on Valley Sports. But um, I like it. you got to have good villains, man, in a rivalry. Mm -hmm. I like good villains. I liked watching Brandon Phillips. I love it when we go on the road and Yachty gets booed everywhere. Mm -hmm. It's basically out of respect. And it's fun to have villains. And we're going to have a couple.
3: I was a little disappointed that Castellanos walked it back so much in the wake of everything. I understand why he did it. He obviously wanted to talk about how much he respect respects Wayno bueno and Yachty. But I'm with you. I wish he would have leaned into it a little bit more. I wish he would have talked about it and dissed the Cardinals a little bit more because I love the bad blood.
2: Wait till tonight. Okay. So wait yep. till you get all the booze, And if he's on a post-game Zoom and he's asked about it and comes out with something that's clever or you know says yeah you know whatever about the fans here and they can boo me all they want and this is going to be great then people are buying in yeah they're all over it and i think that's what makes it fun and i like the matchup tonight it's kk against sunny gray sunny gray is really good when he's right and by all accounts the reds got him right so um, the pitching matchups are pretty good this weekend, especially on Sunday. You got Castillo and Flaherty. So you get the guys that matched up on opening day.
4: And we would expect that t- we'll see Tyler O'Neal this weekend as early as tonight. And I wonder if Mike Schilt puts him right back in there. I think he, yeah, I think he has to. You go, you go against the right-hander, though. I'm okay. I think Williams got, is going to be. So
2: Williams, Carlson, O'Neal? I say, yeah, I would put Williams in right. Me too. O'Neal in left, Carlson in center. Edmund at second base. I would have that, too. That You know, it was interesting what Mike did this last week with uh, a lefty on the mound in Corbin. When Williams was swinging the bat well, he played him. And you know what? With Tyler O'Neal, again, you're you're wanting to find out what you have early in the season, so play him. He's got to play against everybody. And the Cardinals obviously need to put things together. They, they didn't hit for a long time,
4: didn't pitch for a while, and they've had games where they've hit really well. They, they've they had the blowout games. When they've won, they've won blowout games, but... What they need to do is get everything together. They need to pitch like they have in the series this week against Washington and get the offense going to a reasonable level where you aren't scoring zero, one,
2: or two runs.
3: Yeah, no feast or famine, some consistency here. And I would also think if there is some bad blood with the Reds that having lost several series in a row, that you would want to come home, come out, and make a statement.
2: Cardinals, by the way, one of five teams with three or more games featuring 10 or more runs. That's feast or famine. It and, really is, and they've been shut out three different times. We're not even ten percent uh, through the season, so it really, truly, when you say it, you're, you're right. It's feast or famine with the offense. And David Col- David Bell knows
4: the Cardinal culture. He played here. He was a, a coach here, and he was he he knows that their former manager Brian Price said, "We come in here and we don't expect to win." And I have to believe that a David Bell loved the Castellanos thing. And the, he's telling his team tonight, hey, you are on a level with or above these guys. Don't be intimidated by the Cardinals. This is not the
2: the rivalry that it once was. This is a real rivalry. Yeah, now. and it comes down to pitching. I mean, if they get any kind of pitching, they're in the rivalry. And yeah. they have struggled here. There's no question that that is, is part of it. I really find it interesting that, and I mentioned it in the Redbird report, the Cardinals are hitting 225 as a team. League average right now is 233, Major League average. Strikeouts, Cardinals are uh, right in the middle of the pack of strikeouts in Major League Baseball. So when you're watching the game and you're like, man, this team is striking out a ton, that's what's going on throughout Major League Baseball. It's a frustrating aspect of the game right now. Cardinals have scored uh, 85 runs. That's 10th in Major League Baseball, 5th in the National League, but it is been with those big innings. They've had four of the 160 innings that they played doing some research here. They've had a six-run first inning opening day. April 13th, they had a nine-run inning. April 17th, a six-run inning. April 19th, a five-run inning. It's coming in bunches or it doesn't come at all. Let's get wow. three of those this weekend. Yeah. Coming up, one of the really good guys in sports, our friend
4: Walt Jockety, senior advisor to the CEO of the Reds. Walt will join us next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
4: With Michelle Smallman and Dan McLaughlin, I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. And we head to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and our friend, the Former Cardinal General Manager and now a Senior Advisor in the Reds' front office, Walt Jockety, kind enough to take some time with us as the Reds get ready to visit St. Louis for the weekend. Walter, great to have you with us. How are you doing?
7: Good morning. I'm great. Thanks, Randy. And It's good to uh, always talk with you guys. Always good to talk to you. Before we get
4: started, I want you to tell your favorite Charlie Finley story. People might not be aware of this, young people that are driving around. at 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 one time, Walt Jockety was the only employee in the A's front office. Charlie Finley was the owner and Walt was the only employee. So what what is your strongest memory of those days?
7: Well, my strongest memories I I you know, first of all I didn't meet him till after he sold the club. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was hired I was hired over the phone. I did, I guess I had a good phone interview and good recommendations from Roland Heeman and Tony La russa who were with the White Sox at the time. That was our triple A affiliate when I was in Des Moines and uh um so I was hired with phone, and then I talked to him every week you know I'd talked to him and he was you know he was actually uh fun to talk to because he gave me you know ideas and what the way that he used to get information because he didn't have a lot of scouts in fact when I went there I had no scouts and we had the basic four teams and it was a it was a mess but uh you know he would get his information from people from other clubs that's one trait that I learned from him was I would always uh pick the brains of some of the better scouts and smarter people in the game, and and it helped me throughout my career. So it was one one thing that I learned from. But he was he was an interesting guy, and uh, he kind of and they, that first year I was not only the farm director but also the scouting director, which I found out after I got there. And we, as I said, we had no scouts, so we had to do the entire draft uh, off the scouting bureau. So I was in spring training, trying to do spring training and. Getting these reams and reams of scouting reports and trying to put something together, and, and um, we ended up having a, a decent draft. I guess we had a couple. One guy that made it uh, ended up being a, still a, a scout for us in Cincinnati. game by the name of Rich Bordy. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was it was interesting. It was good, actually, basic training for me, and and uh, wow. I, I learned a
3: lot that year. Well, speaking of spring training, Walt, I was reading an article 20 years ago. It's hard to believe it's 20 years ago, but April 2nd, 2001, you're the GM of the Cardinals and a guy by the name of Albert Pujols, who's a rookie, is added to the roster to replace an injured Bobby Bonilla. And your quote Mm -hmm. at the time was, he's unproven, but he's certainly shown every indication that he can compete at the major league level. We'll see what develops. How good did you think he could be at that time? Oh,
2: come on, Walt. You knew.
3: knew. Everybody knew.
7: (laughs) Well, let me tell you, this is, and you can ask Buddy Bates this story. Um, I had a feeling in spring training that he was going to be a pretty special player. And Buddy had assigned him a number, uh, I don't know, a high number of some sort. And I swear to God, I told Buddy, I said, you better get this guy a pretty good number. He might be retired one day. And he ended up getting, Yeah, so <laughs> and that's the truth. I mean, it was, wow. Buddy will verify that. I mean, he's, he was just that good. Because I, mean, I watched him very little because he wasn't in the minor leagues very long. I saw him in um uh Potomac. He played in Potomac and then I saw him in, in the Arizona Fall League. And uh he was just amazing. And the spring training he just was incredible.
2: You know you so, know while we reflect now on on Albert being here Yachty is going to the Hall of Fame. Albert is going to the Hall of Fame. Larry Walker is now in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I'm probably missing somebody here from this group that you assembled in the early 2000s, mid-2000s. And I think Scott Rowland is going to the Hall of Fame. Do you reflect now on it and go, wow, this was uh, really good. I mean, you knew they were good at the time, but now you reflect on it and you say that was elite, that was special.
7: Well, actually, I reflect on it more now than I did then at the time. You're just so busy trying to – um, uh, get your, do whatever you can to make the team a competitor and, and, and to win but uh, and I, I do I honestly believe that Scott will get in the Hall of Fame uh, I thought he might do it this, this year but in the next year or so I think he, he has a real good shot and he deserves to be I mean you look at his numbers and the way he performed and those of us that saw him play every day saw the defense that he played uh, it was incredible and, that's, and when, I, when I took him over to Cincinnati too he was a great influence on our club and really helped some of our young players like Jay Bruce and Joey Votto and uh Zach Kozart uh and even Brandon Phillips to to become better ball players. And and he was he's just had that special um trait that a lot of players don't have. I you know, I think quite honestly, I think uh uh Mo's trait of Arenado is very similar. I think Arenado has that same ability.
4: Walt Jockety with us on 101 ESPN. Walt, uh, my guess is that the offense that the Reds are getting in 2021 is what you expected in 2020 when you put that
7: team together. Exactly. I think uh, we, I don't know what happened last year. I don't know if it was just because of the shortened season. They just weren't prepared or whatever it was. But we just didn't uh, hit on all cylinders like we are this year. Like we thought we should have last year. And It's, uh, you know, it's just been fun to watch the offense. Unfortunately, our, Our bullpen has not been very good. And, you know, the starting pitching's been good for the most part. Uh, Sonny Gray's back. You'll see him, I believe, tonight or tomorrow. Tomorrow, I think. Or, no, tonight. Sonny goes tonight, yeah. uh, Yeah. And then uh, um, uh, the the one guy that so far, knock on wood, has been really good for us is TJ Antone out of the bullpen. And he's been a a lifesaver uh, for us. But the other guys have performed good at times, but, uh, you know, we just had a horrible series against the diamondbacks the last three days. And it was, you know, it was tough to watch, but uh, you know, it's uh, still a work in progress.
4: Well, you used to be able to, you you could build a bullpen during the season and you would go out and find arms. How valuable, though, in in doing those sorts of things was a guy like Dunk? There were so many times where he could, you you can go ahead, you can answer that that way.
7: No, uh, you know, I I just had dinner with Dunk a few weeks ago and and, uh, he looks great, he's doing great, and he's living down at Tucson, I live in Phoenix. And, uh, you know, (laughs) <laughs> I knew I could pick up uh, a picture here and there and and uh um and Dunk used to get uh, Tony used to get on me once in a while and he said, you know, it would be nice to give Tony a finished product one time or give Dunk a finished product. <laughs> I, said, yeah, I know, but I, I I believe in him so much that I knew I mean just look at the guys that he he uh perfected and, and, and improved. I mean, we got uh um Chris Carpenter. Chris was hurt and, and you know, we thought we had a we are acquiring a guy with a great arm, but, you know, Dunk really helped him. and uh, All the way to guys like uh, Weaver. When we got Weaver from, uh, in that trade, that, uh, you know, he was a guy that uh, had had a so-so career, but had a, played a big part in the playoffs for us. I think Dunk had a lot to do with that.
3: Well, what was your reaction when you heard Tony La Russa was coming back to baseball to manage the Chicago White Sox?
7: Well, I saw Tony a lot this winter, so, in, in Arizona, so I wasn't too surprised, but... No, I think, uh, Michelle, this is something that Tony and I've, you know, I've stayed, you know, we stay in touch a lot and see each other a lot. Uh, this is something I, I know he's really wanted to do ever since he, or at least the last couple of years, because he just, he watches the game, he gets frustrated seeing how uh, some teams play and, and you know, wants to try and get the game, you know, teach the game like he, he taught when he was managing. and. So I wasn't too surprised, you know. Everyone said because of his age, but you know, he's he's still a uh, very vibrant, very he has full of energy, and he's got a lot of uh, uh, things that he still wants to do. So I'm not totally surprised. I just uh, hope it doesn't take its toll on him after a while. But I think uh, he'll be fine.
4: You talk about taking its toll, mm-hmm. and you've spent your entire adult life being around competitive <laughs> people. Have you ever met anybody who, whose days depended on a win or a loss like
7: Tony's? Never, never. <laughs> I
2: mean,
7: you know, you you all know You've experienced the same thing. You ask him how are you doing, Tony. i will tell you ten o'clock. You know, <laughs> yeah. after the games are, tell you ten thirty. So, and you know, he's as soon as one game's over, he's focused on the next game. And you know, looking at his lineup, looking at what he's going to do. His spring trainings are unbelievable. In fact, uh, um, the people of the White Sox told me this year that they were just amazed at how well his, how organized his spring training was. They hadn't seen anything quite like that before. And it's just, that's the way he is. He's very prepared, very organized, and always on top of things. And uh, that's why I I think uh, he won't have any problem. And, you know, and he's still been involved in the game, so I don't think he's going to have any problem um, adjusting to the way things are today.
2: Well, with your great history in the game, you've been around it all your life, and you've seen the ups and downs of the game, and right now we're not seeing a lot of action in the game, and, and that's being talked about a lot, and there's going to be changes in the minor leagues to see what can happen, and I know you could probably go on for an hour about this question, but what, what can we do to get more action in the game, from your opinion, and watching this up close?
7: Well, the main thing, Dan, is just got to cut down on the strikeouts. Absolutely. You know, you we've know, got to figure out a way to put the ball in play more often. And, and, uh, you know, we were one of the teams I think was guilty of, we, you know, took a lot of walks and, and, uh, but I think we're, we're swinging more and be more aggressive. You know, one thing that somebody suggested to me one time was maybe changing the strike zone, uh, cause everybody's pitching up high, high in the strike zone now to maybe lower the, the top end of the strike zone a little bit and, and get guys uh, to swing more. I don't know, but, uh, I, I don't know. I just uh, there's a lot of different things that have been discussed. I'm not sure what the best ones are, but hopefully we get it figured out because we we definitely need to get more action in the game and get these games moving quicker. I think you know the other thing is there's some s- simple things like uh, I, I believe the umpires need to be uh, uh, more efficient in keeping guys in the in keeping hitters in the batter's box. We've got a couple guys that're terrible that way. I know there's they're I watch games. I watch games. All the time, every day, and and there's teams, a lot of batters that you know, they get out of the box. They walk around and come back. I mean, make them stay in the box. That's the rule, you know. Yeah. And uh, that would speed things up a little bit. So there's a lot of different things that uh, some rules. Some rules are in the books now that could be if they're enforced a little better. I think would be uh, more productive.
2: Hey, Walt. Uh, my final question for you, and it's a privilege for me uh, to do <clears throat> the the Hall of Fame and MC it, and I've done it since its inception. Mm-hmm. And when um, I see the guys that you brought to St. Louis. You always make a point to come back, whether it's Big Mac or Roland and some of the other guys. Ray Langford, obviously another one. There's been a bunch. Mm-hmm. What's that like? I, I've specifically watched you a few times, and I don't mean to embarrass you here. I mean this in a good way. I see the tears in your eyes. I see the tears yeah. rolling down your cheeks. What is that like for you? And I got goosebumps thinking about asking you this question. That the pride that you have in knowing. What yeah. you meant to this franchise and and the people that you brought here, and to see those guys go in.
7: Well, thanks, Dad. Appreciate it. It, it, it does mean um, a great deal to me because you know if you look back now and reflect on <clears throat> things you did throughout your career, and and I'm I very proud of the guys that we brought into St. Louis and the guys that have gone into the Hall of Fame in St. Louis, but also into uh, Cooperstown. But you know, it's it's uh, it's like I, I guess I feel like a proud papa. You yeah. know, it's guys that you. You bring into the organization that helped us win and helped us be competitive, but uh, you got to know and got close to, and I still stay in touch with quite a few of them. And, and uh, you know, it's just it's a it's a great feeling. It's um, and that's pretty much what now in my career, all I do is advise them. Whether they listen or not, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> the only thing you have left really is memories, and we had uh, tremendous memories in St. Louis. So we had just a great uh, run there and uh, a lot of fun. with great people. Uh, like all of you and, and uh, the fans that were there, and all the friends we had, so it was. Uh, and in addition to the players, the people we worked with, so it was a great time.
4: Well, awesome. it's it's forty six and cloudy in St. Louis. I'm sure it's, it's that way in Phoenix too, right?
7: <laughs> right now, uh, Dan, I'm or uh, Randy, I'm, I'm out uh, watching the sun come up over Camelback Mountain. Wow, it's probably about sixty five right now, and might be in the mid eighties today. But <laughs> when I say it's a dry heat. Trust me, it is a dry heat. Uh, we don't yeah. have the humidity like St. Louis or Florida, and it makes a huge difference.
2: Yeah, we got to hear this from you, yeah. Walt. Thanks yeah. a lot. <laughs> hey,
4: it is so good to hear your voice, and uh, we, we appreciate who you did for the Cardinals and all you did for St. Louis. And uh, on behalf of Dan I, and myself, uh, all you did for the media, you made our job so much easier. I've told you that before, but we really well, do thanks. appreciate you, Walt. Thanks
7: so much. Thanks. Well, well, Thank you. I appreciate it. and I, I do watch you a lot, Dan, so you guys do a good job.
2: Thank you, Walt. I'm, I'm going to say that I had the chance to visit with the great Walt Jockety on the broadcast oh, tonight. I, so you better be listening to our feed, okay? I'll be watching. I will. I, I love it. Will. I love it. Thanks, right, Walt. Guys, appreciate take it. Care. Take care. It means a lot. Okay, bye. That is Walt Jockety with us on 101 ESPN, one of my all-time favorites. He, he was spectacular for a yep. guy that, uh, in, for me personally, that was young in my career and doing this stuff and you know, you, you have some things that happen where the team doesn't play well. Sometimes they're playing great, uh-huh. you know, and you may say something, and he would always pull you, you know, Dan. Yeah. Here's what we're trying to do and going to <laughs> dinners and stuff. Like, that was the neat thing, too, is yep. being at a dinner with Walt Jockety, Tony La Russa, maybe somebody from the front office, maybe Moe was there, too, and I would just I would shut up. I would never say, but they would be kind enough to invite me to listen in to their, you know, intimate conversations about the game and that's when you learn man and that's what i really miss about not being on the road is those conversations is when you learn about the game more than ever and he was spectacular to me we'll be tuned in tonight before that we'll be tuned in for you and bk yes uh i'm not sure who we have coming up but it's gonna be on the spot i was thinking about some with walt now i can't even think about it Uh, wait a minute it might be here though great job as always thank you yeah you. you do your wrap up and i'll look for who we got michelle have a great weekend. Oh, I got. Nick Leva's is coming up.
4: Oh, I love Nick Leva.
2: Yeah. One of the all-time greats. Yeah. yeah. Former uh, base coach for Whitey and some One of those of great teams. World Series in 1982. That's right. Great. Yep. Looking forward to it. Have a good weekend, Michelle.
3: Thanks. You guys, too.
2: And we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and
4: being a part of the show for all of us until Monday morning at 7. Have a great weekend, St. Louis.
1: You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, powered by I Promise.
10: Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget Bit Online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.
0: Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com/podcast1 to learn more and start your
3: free trial.